This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. All right, 6.04. You may be off today, but we are not. That's right, the three of us in studio today for the next three hours right here on the sports station WNSP and WNSP.com. You may be asking yourself, why are you guys in studio on Labor Day? Well, it has become a tradition here at WNSP that we work Labor Day Monday because there are so many storylines from the weekend, and this weekend, Lee, did not Disappoint. Not at all, Mark. Good morning. Good to be back. Labor Day notwithstanding. I will say this. I will say this. It took me a while as I was waking up driving in to figure out why there were no vehicles on the road. And normally when I come in at four in the morning, there's none anyway. There's maybe four or five. There was absolutely zero. Nobody was on the road this morning. I don't know about you if you had any uh, not traffic. Issues, I, I might have, I might have seen somebody. I, might have, seen somebody. I, I think I saw All one right. person. Good enough. All right, uh, Mark. Today we start qualifying for the Naaman's tailgating party. We'll do our first at six fifty. Want to throw a bone into what they're going to have to do? All right. It's very simple. Uh, Alec Naaman, for the last few years, have been has been very kind to offer up a number of um, catering parties of up of up to twenty or eighteen meanly. And how we qualify is very simple. Simple. It's called naming it. Get it? Naming it. So what we'll do is we'll throw out a random audio clip. It could be a person, could be a song, could be a sound effect, could be it could be whatever. You call up. I guess we're gonna do it on the air. Be the first one to uh, identify the sound, whatever it may be, and you will go on our list, and we will qualify ten. I believe ten nine. Either nine or ten. Either nine or ten. Per, and per Alec tailgate. will come on basically once every two weeks, and he will pick a number one through ten. We will keep a running log, and if he, you are that person that he calls or that number, you will get that uh, that tailgating party. Very uh, simple. So many things to talk about this weekend. Obviously, Colorado's win topping the list over TC. But get this as an overview. SEC 0-3 in marquee games. The league that's ready to fall out. The league that's going to fall into the Pacific Ocean, the Pac-12, went 13-0 and this weekend. <laughs> now, just, just for a second, just wrap your head around that. 13-0. and yeah. Wow. And this is the league that's about ready to disintegrate after this year. Incredible stuff this weekend. Uh, yesterday, Mark, I didn't realize this going into the game yesterday, and I didn't even realize this till after the game, where Brian Kelly went on a show. Did you? hear about that last thursday where he predicted a uh, that they were going to defeat florida state he actually came out and said we're going to beat the heck yeah we're going to beat the heck out of florida state and when that game began it sure looked like it was i think it took them two plays to get inside the 10 or something like that but they couldn't score inside the one yard line and they still had a 17 to 14 lead lsu did over florida state after one half but in the second half, it all fell apart. Yeah, I was describing that first uh, possession of somebody as like the most explosive, most dynamic, and most disappointing possession in the history of college football. You go down in two plays, and then they had six plays inside the five and could not score. Um, it, I, I'll be, I was, I was shocked. Not that Florida State won, 
but how dominant they became at the end, uh, and mostly in that second half. Uh, a complete and utter disappointment for LSU fans yesterday. You know, the number five stuck out for quarterbacks, and I'm going to probably leave one or two out, but last night uh, Jordan Travis accounted for five touchdowns for Florida State. Jalen, Mil- Jalen Milrow, he accounted for five. In Alabama's win, the former Clemson quarterback, who's now at Oregon State, and they're one of the two teams now that appears to be left in the Pac-12, along with Washington State, and I'm going to say this name wrong, DJ Ugalele, something like yeah, that. That's pretty good, actually. Is it close? Well, yeah, that's, that's, All right. that's as good as I've heard it. Probably be the highlight of my morning. <laughs> so, All right, let's all go home. Let's pack had, it up. We hit the highlight. He had five touchdowns. Um, Oh, who am I? There's a few others there. Some other named quarterbacks that accounted for five touchdowns. Uh, Deion Sanders, kid, uh, yes. how many did he account for? He's probably still throwing touchdowns out there. Wow. And you know what, Mark? When they were, there was one show I was watching among many, and they were looking over what the uh, so called Heisman hopefuls. He's got to be in the mix, don't you think? Oh, and I know one game. Yeah, yeah sure. I don't think one game. But here's the deal Who would you put up there? In the past, you know. The AP voters really look to intriguing storylines. Travis Hunter, offense, defense, interception, uh, a number of catches, okay, over 100 yards, one of four Colorado wide receivers with over 100 yards. In fact, they had four, and I think last year, the entire season, they just had a couple who went over 100 yards, but we wouldn't want to compare this year to last year. My point is, you go back to the year where Woodson nosed out uh, Peyton Manning and that offense-defense, and if Travis Hunter, who, by the way, if you forget, was uh, a big-time recruit coming out of high school and shocked everybody by going to Jackson State, and if you remember, you remember when Nick Saban did that infamous press conference, and he alluded to Jackson State and getting players to come. And that, you know, and then Dion, he said, hey, he waved it off. He blew yeah. it off and so forth like that. And they're still doing Aflac commercials. But um, the point is that if he can continue doing things that he did in that opening game, like knocking down passes, intercepting passes, and catching passes, and would, would he play in over 100 plays, Mark? I think as good as – and I was really impressed with Sanders' son. I really was. I had, I had never seen him really play for Jackson State. He was good. I mean, really good at picking out receivers, throwing on the run and things like that. But I can't get out of my mind the fact that I think voters, if Hunter in the next 11 games continues to do that, he's going to rise to the top. Uh, yeah, so the question would be the longevity. Can he can he sustain that, that, that number of plays week in and week out? I do think two things are going to happen. I think one, I think mostly because of where he stood as a recruit coming in, I think he's already got a little bit of a lead there uh, over Shador Sanders. The other thing is, and I don't necessarily have a problem with this, but I think voters will have a problem with Dion kind of rubbing it in everybody's faces. Not... Not, I don't have a problem with it. Look, he took it personally, so he went after some folks about the receipts, and we'll get into all that. But I do think ultimately that might rub some folks the wrong way and and hurt his chances or his guys' chances of getting votes, whether it be AP votes, coaches' poll votes, um, Heisman votes, if that continues. Curious to see if the top uh, 25 comes out tomorrow. Somebody's going to throw Colorado in there or if they'll get in the top 25. That certainly was the biggest storyline and, and certainly was the highlight. But as far as a team taking a bad, bad loss, 
none could be worse than Baylor. They were a 26-and-a-half-point pick over Texas State. Texas State had never beaten a powerhouse team or a Power 5 team, and they really took it to Baylor. That probably was the worst loss of any team this week. And then, of course, you can throw in TCU, obviously. I don't think they were a 26-and-a-half-point pick over Colorado. I could be wrong on that. But uh, I will say this, the Colorado, in my opinion, just my opinion, was the most exciting game I saw this weekend. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got we to gotta get to Alabama and Auburn, obviously, uh, and South. But I will say this, Florida State should be a top five team next week. Oh, absolutely. They will be. Yeah, they, they should it, be. With no doubt. In no fact, doubt. I might argue top four. Ohio State wasn't impressive. I didn't think. No, they weren't. Uh, so I, you have to put base. Granted, it's a very small body of work, but Florida State's got to be number four, three or four. I just can't get I'd over put him in the top five. I can't, Brian Kelly going on a ra- his own radio show and saying we're going to beat the heck. It doesn't seem like that type of coach. I mean, there are coaches out there, not many though. Can you think of any coach who would say that four days before the big game? Three days before the big game, Dion probably would. He okay. Let's put him aside. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's in a he's in a uh, let's say in the atmosphere all his own. No, nobody could compare to Dion. Yeah, his press conference was unbelievable. Couldn't happen to a more likable guy than Brian Kelly. Really, you don't. Well, like who's him who's more likable in your book though, Dion or or, or Brian Kelly? Pro- probably Dion. Honestly, wow. I can't stand Brian. I don't know. I at least you know you gotta. I think Brian Kelly has proven, at least to this point, that he's a really, really, really good football coach. We'll see what happens. You know, Deion, jury's still as out. As bad but. as LSU played last year against Florida State, they were in it right to the end, and if they had converted the two-point play, I couldn't believe how they fell apart yesterday in the second half. And, and despite all the problems they had scoring inside the five, they still had a 17-14 to 14 lead, and they just disintegrated. And if, I'm hoping we get Glenn Gilbo on. He covered the game. What happened to Harold Perkins? Arguably one of the best defensive players in the SEC, let alone LSU. And they had him, they didn't have him as an edge rusher yesterday. They put no pressure on the quarterback. Very similar to what Pete Golding did with Will Anderson last year. Leave Alabama, Alabama getting a little, uh, or LSU fans getting a little taste of the Alabama medicine from last year. You take one of the most talented defensive players in the country and use him at what he's not great at it's uh it's got to be pretty frustrating all right so here's let's do this let's get you a scoreboard and weather okay you want traffic look outside there ain't none also when we come back both quarterback experiments at alabama and auburn appeared to work granted it's early we only have one week of cupcake schedules but I want to hear from you guys at 694-1055. Alabama-Auburn, we talk next. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk to the Foley head coach, Derek Scott, at 630. We'll do our Millite Golf Report in hour number two. Daniel McCarthy on the Jags. Justin Ferguson on Auburn. Glenn Gilbo on LSU. Mike Rodak on Alabama. Off and running on a Labor Day Monday right here on the Sports Station WNSP.
621 here on a Labor Day Monday. Hope you and yours are having a great day off. Here we are in the studios of WNSP talking uh, football. You know, Mark, I don't know how many times you get asked, but I get asked so many times, are we ready for football? I tell people we're ready every day. I mean, football in this area, this state, it's like 365 days, including Christmas. So, yes, and we're already well underway with our game days. I want to thank Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery, our lead sponsor for game days. We are going to go Friday for the very first time ever to Viger High School and the great tradition of Viger. And we're rolling in there with an undefeated 4-0 record, Lee Shervanian. How about that? I knew that. But uh, there was an athletic director who we saw on Friday that reminded me of it. Yes. Uh, very, very cool. Every place we've been so far, right, we've had some fun. We've been accused of being a curse in the past. But uh, despite the above 500 record last year, we just keep taking – We just it's a process, people. One game at a time, one week at a time. Just do your job. Don't be scoreboard watching. We just go and do our job. And it pays off for now. Let me say this about Dr. Christopher Mullinex. He's become a very good friend of mine. I know him very well from my many, many trips to his office at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. You do not need a recommendation to go to Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery. I would certainly give it to you. I've had about seven or eight implants, dental implants done, and it's no surprised to me that he was voted 2023 best oral surgeon in mobile he along with dr aaron wallander they specialize in dental implants wisdom teeth jaw surgery and much much more uh same day appointments are available you might take a chance uh, and and get it in there and if something happens uh during the day 471 3381 as i said they're located at 715 downtown or boulevard very personable very professional staff i highly recommend it speaking of curses and I don't really believe in them, but is New Orleans becoming a curse for South Alabama football? Um, Last two trips there have not gone well. Well, I think what we saw on Saturday, and by the way, I was more, I, I don't know if this is, can I say this? I, I was more interested in that game than, than the SEC game that was on at that time, and I'm talking about Alabama. Uh, I, I found myself watching more of the South game. I think where things went wrong was LSU, for LSU. Tulane, I think, just had was just dominating on both lines of scrimmage, uh, just kind of pushing the South Alabama around, especially late in the game. What really surprised me, and, and we will talk to Daniel McCarthy, like when it looked like South Alabama got back in the game at 24-17, to 17, and then Pratt, the quarterback for Tulane, who may be one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the nation. I mean, he, he what he complete, 14 out of 15? Threw another long touchdown pass. Three long, uh, three touchdown passes of over 47 yards mark against that Jags secondary. And that, that, that crippled the Jags as well as their, I think, five turnovers. They fumbled like early in the game. Yeah. And, and it was like to me, I was expecting, look, I, I thought the Jags, and I wasn't the only one. There were a couple of national um, uh, talking heads. And I, I remember one in particular said that the Jags are going to win over Tulane. Uh, I didn't know that much about Tulane, except they lost their great running back from a year ago. But that kid, Pratt, really, really uh, threw the football well. Not only that, but I agree with you. They had it won in the trenches. Uh, South couldn't get a running game going. Yeah, they, the early fumble really hurt. They had a lot of pre-snap penalties on third and short. Really hurt them, put them third and long. Um, they got behind the chains. And then they got behind on the scoreboard itself. So, um, you know, there was one, I think, where Miller got the fumble. Like, defensively, you finally get the turnovers, like nine and a half minutes left. 
you get the fumble, you try to run it, and then Miller fumbled it back to Tulane. So not only does Tulane retain possession, but they wound up getting a first down out of it because the possession, the ball, the ball changed uh, possessions. It was just, it was not too, uh, South Alabama's night, and uh, that was a tough loss because I really thought they had a shot in that one. I I would agree with you too, and I, I switched once Alabama got that big lead. <laughs> which was early, uh, I switched back and forth. And I also switched to the South Carolina-North Carolina game because of the presence of the two quarterbacks. But North Carolina winning for uh, Mac Brown's 100th victory as a Tar Heel coach. He's also got more than 100 when he was at Texas, but it was um, not a close game. And, and again, and we pointed out the SEC 0-3 in marquee games. Now, they'll certainly have a chance to – they got a lot of marquee games coming up this weekend with Alabama-Texas – I don't know if you want to consider Auburn-California marquee game, but in lieu of the fact that California won in the Pac-12, won all their games, maybe, and that's another night game, but also Miami and Texas A&M this weekend. All right, so quickly, the quarterback, uh, what do you think, Brian? The quarterback situation appeared to work, or the experiments worked for both Alabama and Auburn. We were way wrong on the order in which Alabama quarterbacks played, Mm. but all in all, given the competition. Yeah, the news came out kind of the night before that – it was going to be Buckner. To, I think that was Tony Sakalas that had that. That was going to be Buckner to play second. Yeah. Uh, I was really impressed for Auburn by Peyton Thorne. And numbers-wise, nothing's going to pop out at you. I thought he made a couple of really nice throws, though. There was one rolling to his left early in the game. Uh, that he completed on the sideline. That was a really nice toss. He had a nice deep ball as well. But uh, as for Milrow, I, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't blown away like a lot of people, I think, were. Um, like, I... Say Jalen Milrow had started a game last year against Middle Tennessee State. I think probably similar to what it would have looked like. Uh, that being said, I you can't knock him. He did everything he was supposed to do. He didn't turn the ball over. Do you sound like Nick Saban? Again, like I, I, I think. Did, did you the, the halftime when they were coming off, and I guess it was Cole Kublick interviewing him and yeah, uh, and asked him about uh, the quarterback. Well. He's got a lot of help out there. He wouldn't come out and say the guy had a good first half. He said, well, you know, so, you know, there were others out there that were playing well, too. He'd never sure. even mentioned him in the uh, halftime. I thought, I thought, Mil- you know, everybody everybody knew that Milrow could run well. They weren't sure about his passing. I thought he threw the ball well. He did. Again, he didn't turn the ball over, and, you know, he threw three touchdowns. Like, I, I'm not knocking him in any way, shape, or form. He, he did well. And he did exactly what he was supposed to do. That being said, uh, I don't know how much more impressive he's gotten as a passer. For a big guy, I, I don't think he has much zip on his ball at all. Uh, you know, it, just got to get used to the fact that it's not Bryce Young, nor is it Mac Jones, nor is it two, no, nor is it Jalen Hurts. It, it is what it is. It's just a different quarterback out there. Uh, Jalen Milrow is Jalen Milrow. And we'll see how it goes next week. All I right, might look. be singing a, a different tune if he has a great game against Texas. I'm just – I think a lot of Alabama fans were freaking out, like, oh, like, Jalen Milrow. Jay-. And, I, you know, I was impressed, but I wasn't blown away. I'll say that. When we get to Auburn, um, I, I, don't want, I don't want our listeners to think I'm anti-Auburn on this. I'm not. But I just – uh, recall times when they used to switch quarterbacks inside the 10-yard line and how it always backfired. And even in this case, when they kept putting Ashford in there, and I want to get Justin Ferguson's view on this, if it works, fine. But they always seemed to have difficulty when they brought in a quarterback inside that 10. Get, you know, they'd always run the clock down, and they'd have to call a timeout and so forth. And that's exactly what's happening against UMass when they would rotate the quarterbacks. Um, I'd, I'm not saying it won't work. 
Obviously, Ashford had three scoring touchdowns. But when you get inside, it just seems to me when you take quarterbacks out, it did not work in the past for Auburn. And is your starting quarterback okay with driving you all the way down the field and then getting pulled when you get to the idea uh, of, of scoring? I think it should be it should be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll talk more about it. Uh, Foley head coach Derek Scott up next right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Kickoff continues right here on this Labor Day. Mark, Lee, Bronner, all in the studios of WNSP. All right, we're going to talk some high school football with Derek Scott, the head coach at Foley. They had a big win over Baldwin County, 37-24. And those who take part in naming the Bryant Bank High School Player of the Week designated Colton Nero, the running back for Foley, as the Player of the Week. Derek, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well in yourself. Good. We're doing great. So when we think Foley, we think of Perry Thompson, but Nero's got the job done for you on Friday. Kind of give us an idea of, of what he did and how he played. Uh, he played well. He played, uh, he had 28 or uh, 29 carries for 278 yards and and uh, really kind of just uh, always been a, just last the first few, first couple games, but really a bell cow for us and really carried our, our offense and our team and really been a, a place of uh, a source of excitement for us to see what he's able to do. So we're excited for him, what he's been doing so far. Yeah, and, and I remember him from last year, too. Didn't he have a lot of big games for you? And it seems like you are uh, you got quite a few uh, offensive uh, stars on that team, to, you know, to go with the Nero and you got Thompson and so forth. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah. yeah, our team is built around those guys and, and uh, they do a lot for us, and uh, we're, we're very appreciative of that. Derek Scott, the head coach of Foley, uh, was this game, like, close going into the fourth quarter, or did you have it pretty well salted away? Uh, it, I think it was, a, it was a decently close game. I think uh, at the end, they scored a touchdown. They kind of put them back in it and, and put it a little closer than to, to that 13-point total that we ended up with, so it was around 20-some points at the, as, in the majority of the game, but uh, it was a close game, and, and kudos to Coach Rouse and his staff, what they do over there, they do a great job, so uh, it was, had a lot, they had a lot to do with that, so. Alright, let me ask you this about Nero, is he being recruited? Uh, has he had offers yet? Uh, no offers yet, we're looking for some, hopefully for him, and uh, hopefully things will pick up for him, because he's an outstanding football player. How, how big is he? He's uh, 5'11", right at 6 foot, about 200 and 215, 225 pounds right, right now. So, uh, well, well put together running back. Hey, let me ask you about uh, Perry Thompson, who made big news by decommitting to Alabama and committing to Auburn, Derek. And does he get a lot of double teams now? Uh, he get his fair share. He get his fair share. And uh, so there's sometimes those – you know, those guys go out there and decide they're going to double team. So, yeah, he, he gets a fair share on, but I think um, it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty uh, 
consistent that he could either double teams or a good amount of time. Well, it's like you got a lot of riches in the back. Who's the offensive coordinator who gets to call the plays as to whether Nero runs or you throw the ball to Thompson? Uh, Gary, Gary Johnson is our uh, offensive coordinator. He does an outstanding job. Him and our coaching staff uh, on both sides. But, but on offense, Coach Johnson does an outstanding job with that offense. Derek, you got a what I consider quite a big game coming up this weekend with Mary G. Montgomery. Uh, you want to talk about that? Uh, this uh, obviously, you two teams uh, undefeated to this point. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, MGM is a is a region game for us, and and uh, they definitely got on um, that thing rolling out there. Um, kudos to Coach Gosen and, and his staff, and uh, we got our hands full. They got a dynamic offense as well. And they do a lot of good things on both sides of the ball. So uh, we're going to have to uh, play a, a very good game to hopefully get an opportunity to come out of there with a win. So, uh, And hopefully we can. Uh, they're a very good team out there at MGM. Yeah, I think they, it's going one of the marquee games on Friday night, MGM and Foley. We thank you. Michael Holland and Brian Bank will be getting in touch with you to honor uh, Colt Nero. And congratulations, and thank you for joining us, Derek. Well, thank you for having us, and thank you for recognizing our young men. Okay. Mark, uh, this coming Saturday, Alabama, Texas, 6 o'clock, ESPN. A couple of pretty good reasons why somebody may want to go out to uh, a place to watch that game. Yeah, so you guys want to get out to the Outsider in downtown Mobile for the ultimate Alabama watch party as uh, the Tide and the Longhorns kind of get after it. Uh, so join us. WNSP will be out there at the Outsider in downtown Mobile. You'll have an opportunity to score a free WNSP T-shirt just for being there. And once you're there, you can enter to win an Alabama football jersey courtesy of the vault. So come cheer on the Crimson Tide with some WNSP personalities and fellow Crimson Tide fans. You can enjoy food, drinks, uh, and a whole lot of fun. It's September 9th at the Outsider. You're not going to want to miss it. 22 TVs, um, beer specials, fruit from the Insider Food Hall, um, highlighted game on sound, music during commercials, post-game party, everything you could want right there at the Outsider, downtown Mobile. Make sure you get out there. I should mention our high school game of the week. Pretty nice matchup. St. Paul's at Sarah Land. Both teams undefeated going into the Friday game. Uh, all right, so you guys want to get in on Alabama-Auburn. We have not had a whole lot of chance to talk about that. Uh, Bronner said Jalen Milrow. Not not bad, not overwhelmingly Again, great. I, I should say he was good. He, like, he, he was very good. There was, there's nothing more you could have asked from Jalen Milrow. I just think that there was a tendency on Alabama Twitter to be like, oh, my God. You know, the Jalen Miller Heisman cam- – like, I've seen Jalen Miller Heisman campaign started because he played right, well against but, Middle Tennessee. Like, let's flips, pump the brakes a little bit. But the flip side of that is what more could he have done? Not a whole lot. Right. I, just, I, I do think he is limited as a passer, and, like, he is what he is a little bit. I don't think he has a whole lot – like, for a big guy, I don't think he has a ton of arm strength. Just, like, look at the zip on his passes. It, there's not a whole lot there. Gee, we were talking about Jalen Hurts like that when he was a freshman at Alabama. Fair, like fair enough. I uh, did. I do. What I did like though was you saw a couple of running plays by Buckner and Simpson too, yeah. right? So we talked about now. Clearly, they're not nearly the, the dynamic runners that Simpson is, but both had the ability um, to 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 
pick up yards and, and, and make plays with their legs a little bit. So. I think the play that he made when the ball got by him, you know, the bad snap. Oh, of course. was electrifying. Yeah. And, and oh, yeah. That certainly had to make Alabama fans, like, giddy, like, unbelievable. Jump, had me jumping out of my seat. Well, uh, I, I hope you didn't hurt yourself. Uh, I'm here. But, the again, I, the game. I playing wanted, hurt. Playing hurt, I like it. I, from Alabama standpoint, look, he played well. The team played well. The defense was ex- excellent. I say excellent. I'm sure they'll find fault with some plays. Kept the penalties down. No fault there. Same thing with Auburn, pretty much. They ushered in the freeze era. But, again, I had – and, and, and I, I, I'm sure some Auburn fans – I'd like to hear from the Auburn fans on the app. What did you think about when they would take out Peyton – at quarterback and put in Robbie and every time that shot clock is getting down to zero they're calling timeouts and I just remember back this did not work too well in past Auburn regimes when they did that they take out a quarterback I'm okay with giving a quarterback a series and let him go without alternating during the plays itself but this thing about taking a quarterback out when you get inside the, the red zone or the 10, uh, you, because first of all, the defense knows exactly what's going to happen. Now, let's not, let's not conf- you know, confuse ourselves here. Are SEC schools going to be a little more adaptable to making plays on that rather than UMass? Of course they are. I think Ashford is going to score a lot of touchdowns this year, no matter who they're playing against. It's hard to defend. You, know, you bring in a guy who can throw the ball on the goal line, but also has that ability. Not that Thorne can't run. He can. Uh, but there's a lot of options you have when you bring in Ashford on the goal line. Well, here's the point again, though. Every time they were alternating him, they were running down the clock, and they had to call timeouts. And that'll get better with time as the season goes on. My my question still stands, and this is something we'll never really know the answer to, is how does Peyton Thorne feel about driving that team all the way down and then getting pulled right before you score, I can't imagine. I th- I think I think he will say all the right things. I don't think you will hear any anything negative coming out of Auburn camp. But I can't imagine any quarterback would be thrilled about getting pulled right before you're getting ready to go in for a absolutely. Time. I agree with you, Mark, on that. But again, I look at when against SEC schools. You put you keep changing like that. Teams know exactly what's going to yeah, happen. But I think they generally know what you're going to run in the red zone anyway. And if if I'm trying to keep more of an open mind about it, if if Robbie Ashford gives you a dual threat ability, and, and to Bronner's point, it's not like he can't throw the ball. He can, but he's also a lot smoother and uh, athletic runner than Thorne. I think he probably gives you more options down there. Thing is, if you got a quarterback, I don't care if it's Robbie Ashford who starts at the twenty and drives you down. Stay with him, but I don't like when they change quarterbacks. I mean, get to a certain point, right? But I mean, look at LSU's first possession last night, right? Not that putting a different quarterback in, but you—it certainly opens yeah. up the playbook. I mean, it was the most explosive, most dynamic, and worst possession I've ever seen in college football history, right? So. Um, if you can, if you have a guy that can make those throws and get you down the field, and then that 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 field gets a lot shorter, and you need to be a little bit more dynamic, why not put another guy in that? See, this whole Colorado experiment has made me try to go with an open mind to pretty much anything that's going on in college football right now. So I'm going to give Hugh Freeze the benefit of the doubt here. I understand what you're saying, though, but 
I think SEC teams would know just as much about Auburn if Peyton Thorne stayed in at quarterback as they do about Robbie Ashford coming in at quarterback. You you know you know typically what they're gonna run. Like I say, you're you're flirting with the game clock. You're you're getting yourself into a position where you're hurrying it up out there. Um, look, it may work. It may work out well, but, but I've but, seen it not work at Auburn. That's what right. I'm saying. All, but but running out a quarterback should be no different after getting your feet wet as it is running out your jumbo package or you know whatever your different personnel is. I mean, as soon as you get inside the twenty, here comes Ashford, right? Just and they have two capable quarterbacks. I I don't. It worked for Leak and Tebow on short downs. What someone just said in the app. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. I mean, it worked for them on short yard situations. Nice work, Chris. You and I are on the same page. I like where your head's at this morning on Labor Day. Are we ready to put those two in the Leak and Tebow? I don't think so. All I'm saying is there are examples of, of quarterbacks the rotating, the concept about. of running somebody out there. Um, no one's saying Ashford is Tebow, but. The difference is Rob, well, I don't, I don't know. I would say that. I'll go back in history. The worst example of this has nothing to do with Auburn. When the Jets had Joe Namath and they had <laughs> Richard Todd, they drafted from Davidson High School, played at Alabama, of course, and they'd get inside the 10-yard line and they'd put Richard Todd in there to run the wishbone. It did not work. They took Namath out to put Todd in there. Now, was it because they put in a different quarterback because they were running the wishbone? <laughs> I think there were a lot of reasons why. <laughs> or because they were the Jets. Yeah. All right. Uh, so when we come back, we're going to give you the very first opportunity to get qualified for the Alec Naiman catering party of up to 20 or 18 me and Lee. I guess I got to say 17 now. Or 17, me, Lee, and Bronner. That just they're not gonna they're not gonna invite Bronner. They're not gonna. Invite. All right, would you guys be more open to the idea of winning a catering party They'd rather inviting have me than you or Lee? That's the question now. Yeah, but I don't eat as much as you do, Michael. I, so what? I provide better company. Ah. Okay. So it's very simple. It's our first installment of naming it. We will come back. We will play an audio clip. It could be a person, place, or thing. Could be anything. It could be a song, could be a quote, could be a random sound. Be the first one to call us on air and tell us what it is, and you will be qualified. That's happening next, right here on the sports station WNSP. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. Six fifty. Obviously, over the weekend, uh, the country lost quite the legend in the death of uh, Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, and you know, Mark, I see that same age I am, and uh, I'm listening to some of the tributes to him. He went to Auburn. I think he graduated Southern Miss, though, but went on to legendary status as a singer. So it never really came out immediately the cause. And lately, I've been reading it's been melanoma, skin cancer. Yeah. Uh, but a real shame and, you know, sorry and certainly our condolences to the Jimmy Buffett family and to all his, you know, listeners uh, just enjoyed his music for the years as we did. Yeah, it was really cool. A lot of uh, stadiums around, the, uh, including at Bryant-Denny, 
Uh, in New Orleans, during the South Alabama Tooling game, you could hear there were a number of uh, stadiums playing Jimmy Buffett, and um, most of the fan reacted as you would expect. So very cool moment there uh, in college football. All right, here's your chance. Thanks to Alec Naiman, a catering party of up to 20 or 17, me, Lee, and Bronner, or 18 if you have to cut one of us. It's okay, too. All we need to do is play our first installment of Naming It. So we're going to play an audio clip, identify what it is, be the first one to call. I guess we're going to try to do this on the air. Bronner, let's see what happens. It's 694-1055. Let's hear said you clip. You want me to put said caller on the air? Yes, yeah. and he's going to answer. He or she will answer on the air. So let's uh, let's take a listen to the audio clip. All right, there it is. If you can tell us what in tarnation is that, you will have a chance at uh, Alec calling your number, and uh, you will be feasting on a tailgate party. There's only six of them, two each month. And like Mark had pointed out earlier, we qualify for two weeks, then Alex comes on, picks a number. That person wins. You come to the station to get your certificate, and you're on your way to a delicious tailgating party. All right, and then coming up in hour number two, we'll uh, we'll have a couple open segments, but we'll talk some Jags with Daniel McCarthy. All right, we have we have a listener on the air. Who are we talking to? Go ahead, George. It's George. All right, George, tell us what you just heard. I uh, sound like players in a locker room. I'm gonna go ahead and give you full credit for that one. It was indeed a locker. Uh, so yes, congratulations, George. You are our first qualifier. Clearly, it was too easy because we got it on the first try. Either that or you guys are on your game here on Labor Day. So, congrats, George. Well done. Stay on the line, and um, and Bronner's going to get your information. Better yet, thanks for listening to thanks. us on Labor Day morning, George. Yeah, how Appreciate about that? that? You see, it pays to listen yeah. whenever we're on the air, regardless of the day of the week extra, or who else in the country. Extra credit for George for listening on Labor Day. Yeah. How about that? We are carrying tonight's game between Clemson and Duke. Uh, Looking forward a, to it. Yes, so am I. Riley Leonard. Uh, it's a home game for Duke. Uh, his name has come up every now and then when people talk Heisman. That's maybe a, a, a stretch to many, but we're, we're all for it. And certainly after what happened this weekend, and, and I know that some of the uh, talking heads uh, – dissected some of the quarterbacks like Caleb Williams and Drake May and some of the quarterbacks that were in the mix. I didn't I didn't see Shador Sanders get thrown in there, but you got to now. You just got to. All right, Mr. Bronner, there's a question in the app for you, sir. What happened with TCU, Bronner? What happened with TCU? I don't know. The defense looked kind of similar to how they did the national championship. It's pretty shameful that we let that team play for a national championship last year. Man, do they stink at football! But I tell you what, both defenses were terrible. Ah, yeah, I mean, but it, it was an it, it was, was it an was electric it was an electric football game. All seriousness, credit to Dion. Uh, fantastic job by Colorado. Great win. We'll see what happens against Nebraska this week. Who, uh, you know, Matt Rule era didn't get off to the best of starts against Minnesota. We'll see if they can right the ship here in week two against Dion. It's not like that team is unbeatable. Clearly, they don't play a whole lot of defense. So that should be a fun game between Colorado and Nebraska. We'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know that TCU team, man. They're they're not very good. Uh, and again, it's not to take anything away from Colorado, but the fact that that team played for a national championship last year is is pretty is pretty shameful. 
The how uh, we let that happen last year? They they they're. One of their assets was their come-from-behind ability. There were so many games, what, seven or eight, where they had to come from behind. Yeah. And as they came from behind against Colorado, you got that feeling that, okay, they're doing it again. But to Colorado's credit, they too then, they answered after uh, TCU took the lead. Now, this Nebraska team, they had a whole whopping 10 points the other night against uh, Minnesota in their 13-10 to 10 loss. So, oh, I think it'd be terrific. And this is a home game. For Colorado, yeah, if they can get off to a two and zero start. Um, I'm rooting for them. I am. It's hard. It's a, it's a it's a fascinating. It's fun to watch. You know, you, how crazy this is. The whole time I'm sitting there watching that game, you know what was going through my mind? How is it that Deion Sanders is wearing a hat and a sweatshirt on the sidelines? Dude wasn't sweating. Did y'all notice that? Like in, some guys would be Fort drenched Worth, in Texas. Drenched in, in, in sweat, dude. What? There wasn't a bead of sweat on the man. I don't know if he comes as cool as a cucumber or whatever. Dude was not sweating. I'm like, you got a sweatshirt on. It's 100 degrees. I did reach out to Charles Kelly, his defensive coordinator. Tried to get him on this week, but he got back to me and said that they're practicing all week during the morning. So I was kind of well, disappointed. And if one unit on that team is practicing, it's it's going to be defense. So well, they'll get better. I mean, it's you know, it's their first game and. You know, and obviously they were overshadowed by that that great offense. But what does that tell you about some of the players that uh, Dion recruited? It wasn't just, you know, Shador and and Travis Hunter that came from Jackson State. There were a few others that he brought to his team. And what does that tell you about maybe, you know, the football that was played at Jackson State last year? Well, I think what you – there's no question that he has an uh, uncanny ability of getting the most out of his players. But I, I think even TCU coaches and, and fans will tell you they had absolutely no idea what to expect, like none mm. whatsoever. So let's see now what happens. Now there's game film and you have an idea of what type of stuff they run. And it might still work. Like they may still put up 40 or 50 on Nebraska. I'm not saying that's not the case. But with so many, new, so much different personnel and not – and them not playing together, you had no idea what what they were going to run. Let's see what happens now in week two now that there's film. Yeah, the uh, Colorado-Nebraska game, a throwback to the old days of the Big 8 when they were both in the same uh, conference. But um, obviously they've gone in different directions. Now next year Colorado moves to the uh, Big Big 12. Right. Got to keep my conferences and the numbers. They were in the Big 12, went to the Pac-12, now they're back to the Big 12. Yeah, they're going back to the uh, Big 12 now. Uh, that'll be next year. But again, I thought one of the huge storylines, the fact that the Pac-12, which is about ready to go into disintegration, 13-0. and Yeah. And how about, I don't know, the that Oregon win? Did you see that, Mark? I, I actually did one to 81 to whatever it was. The mascot, apparently when the mascot, whenever they score, has to do push-ups. I did see that. 542, was yeah. it? Yeah. Can you imagine that guy no. afterwards? He must be one of the strongest guys in that stadium. I think they switched out mascots at halftime. You think? Yeah, I think he went into the locker room and they put little Joey in there and say, go go yeah. knock some out because Billy's done. How can done. anybody do 542 push-ups during a football game and who's not like in the best of shape like uh, Chuck Norris or somebody like that? Getting real sick of these week one cupcake matchups, man. I, I'm with you on that, too. 81 to nothing. Oklahoma won 73 to nothing. Yeah, oh that's 
that's yeah. put a lot of pressure on Butch Jones at Arkansas. You see, he had to be consoled, right? Yeah. He's Dude, one of his players Butch, had to put his arm around him Butch, and say, Butch be Jones right. did not look well Butch, <laughs> on Saturday uh, afternoon. They're on, they're on his case already at Arkansas State. I don't, from a coaching standpoint, from a program standpoint, I don't have a problem with Cupcake. We'll talk about I mean, it later. Yeah, we have to talk about it, especially if you have quarterback questions. Wouldn't you, for instance, wouldn't you have, wouldn't you rather Alabama play Middle Tennessee in week one than Texas? As a fan, no. But if you're coaching. As a coach, yes, but as a fan, no. You should know, we don't matter as fans. Remember what Jay Coker said? He was with us Friday. He said, bring on the best. Hour number two is next right here on Labor Day. Stay with us. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Hine, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Brauner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Huh? Oh, no, no, no. I read through that bull junk you wrote. I, I read through that. I sipped it through all that. Yeah. Oh, no. Come on. Do you believe? Deion Sanders calling out the media right there at the press conference He's minutes after his team upset uh, TCU. Michael, did we have the part in there, the part that caught my attention, the receipts? I have the receipts. He comes out with this stuff that is just hilarious. And look, I'm I'm glad. I mean, I, I think it worked out well because really, how many storylines were there this weekend? How many games were actually close that you really were riveted to to stick around? I stayed through the Colorado TCU game. Say what you want. TCU's defense, so what? At least that caught my attention. There were very few games that came down to the wire. And as we said, there were only three marquee SEC games out of the 14 that were played, that being South Carolina losing, Florida losing, and LSU losing. But at least, you know, they were what we call, you know, good marquee games to see what you've got. The rest, and I agree with you, Michael, were just about, ugh, they weren't worth watching. Lee, did you see the clip, speaking of the South Carolina game, of Shane Beamer after the game complaining about the refs. And did the he? Chain. I did not. I'll, no. I'll, pl- I'll play it coming out of the next break, but or, or I can I can pull it up now. But I, man, all that guy does when they lose is complain and did point you, the finger at someone. And I like him. Do you I remember last coach. year? Do you remember last year where we called out a reporter yes. in the locker room? And that was a friend of mine, Phil Kornbluth. He called him out in the locker room. I'm like this because I've heard Shane. I really liked him. Going in with the interviews he did, the enthusiasm he brought to South Carolina, and all that kind of good stuff. But you're right. Look, I don't. I'm not all for coaches, you know, losing and then complaining about the officiating because it wasn't really a close game. I mean, it wasn't no, like that, it was, they got killed. They, <laughs> I mean, their offensive line is the worst in the SEC. Listen to this clip, Lee. I have to play this for Go you. Ahead. Do we have any stats? Anybody? It's kind of the story of the night. Clock was wrong the whole game. game. We're trying to kick an onside kick to start the second half, and we got to wait on the chain crew because they're eating a hot dog. That's the only disappointing thing about tonight. So. The only, I, don't, I don't know if that was the only, the only disappointing, disappointing really. thing about tonight. You got an SEC offensive line that 
can't block Spencer for Spencer Rattler. Oh my God, that guy's not gonna succeed long term. In the you SEC. see him get a. Uh, you see Mac Brown when they when they met like a little bit it was made he put a, almost had him in a chokehold like Beamer they were talking it wasn't aggressive in any way but Beamer turned his head and Mac Brown grabbed him by the neck and turned him back around it's a power move like really like, grabbed him right here it was uh you know the, another thing unfortunate I, since we're talking about coaches you know now they're miking him up even before the game and. Look, I'm not big on that, but there was a point yesterday, I think in the, was it the Florida State LSU game, and correct me if I'm wrong on this with all the games that they kind of flow together, where they were interviewing, I guess it was the Florida State coach, while the play is going on, and a major... Yeah, I saw that live. Right, yeah, read about that too. Uh, for those who aren't familiar with it, there's been a lot of criticism about this, that while... That while Norvell was being interviewed, this play, which favored Florida State, what was it, some kind of like a interception or some kind of play is going on, and, and you got uh, Herb Street and those guys couldn't say anything about the play, and it was a major play in the game. Why do we need to interview coaches while play is going on? I, I think those are recorded during the breaks and True. played back during the broadcast. I mean, if they could predict an explosive play. I mean, I'm with you. I don't. We've said this for years. Get him, get him right before the game. Get him coming off the field at half. Get him right at the end of the game. I don't need these in between. I don't either. I don't need these quarters. I don't even like the, in baseball where they're interview, interviewing the players while play is going on. You know, hey, how, how is it out there? Well, it's good. Yeah. I kind, I kind of like the in-game baseball interviews, but that's a different topic. I don't. I wouldn't. I mind. don't like any of the and the ones that are really bad are the NBA ones. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't mind the coach interviews like in the third or fourth quarter of one of these seventy to nothing games, but yeah, you go. And again, I I think Mark is right. I don't think that was actually happening live as the interception was going on. Can you I imagine interviewing recorded. Butch Jones? He's down what seventy three <laughs> nothing. Hey, Butch, what do you got planned here on this play? I'm, I'm lost out here, guys. And, you know, I, I don't but know. But here's what the to thing, do. though, and it doesn't happen very often. But when it's a good interview, it goes viral, right? You remember Lane right before the Alabama games? Get your popcorn ready. You threw down the headset. Like, that went viral. Or when, you know, Nick Saban, Maria Taylor, and stop. Quit asking. Like, it happens so very seldom. But when it does hit, it is gold. If Yeah, and it doesn't hit very often. There's only two interviews that I can recall. One goes way back. I think it was a Navy game where the coach... He didn't even want to leave the field. He was really into the interview and talk. Uh, Brian Kelly, I thought, gives a pretty good interview coming off the field. Mm. But it's something you got to consider, too. And, and, I, and I feel for the coaches on this. They not only get hit by TV, but don't forget they have their own radio to do. Yeah. So when Nick Saban left Cole Kublik, uh, with that, you know, that conversation. And then he had to go do his own with yeah. Christian Miller, the sideline reporter. And you know how most coaches are antsy to get in the locker room and they want to, they got all the stuff in their head. We got to do this. We got to do that. And they got to stop and do all these interviews. So I, you know, I, I don't like the interviews. I, I'll, I'm okay with them if they want to do it uh, after the game. Obviously I'm for that. If you want to do it halftime, fine. But this in-game stuff, no way. I don't like it at all. I think it interferes with the game. That's just me. All right, you guys can jump in. Uh, Alabama, Auburn, the quarterback experiments seem to uh, seem to work. South Alabama took one on the chin there in New Orleans. Told you you shouldn't unveil that Mardi Gras stuff, man. <laughs> there, it was all Came over. It bias. was all over New Orleans media, dude. You roll in with it. Don't tell anybody. You tip off a sideline reporter. They talk about it during the game. 
by by the way, something uh, we haven't talked about on on the Alabama game. Mobile Christian's Deontay Lawson is really, really, really good, and is is going to have a special season. Just needed to throw that out there. Fair enough. I can't I can't disagree with that as much as I'd like to disagree with Bronner. Can't disagree with that point. He had a real again. It's MTSU. Take it with a grain of salt, but he looks fast. That middle linebacker group looking quicker than it did last year. Led by Deontay. Uh, I'm defense played the defense. well. I, I think the defense. I expected was more Middle Tennessee yes. to bring more to the table than they did. I, I didn't think they're going to win. I, I really thought they'd fall into the 39, but nope. Uh, Alabama's defense totally clamped them, and that that game got off to a very bad start for Middle Tennessee. In games like that, where they're a heavy underdog, you can't do what they did and 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 then hope to get back in the game. And I really thought they were a better team than when I saw them. You know who kind of gave me, like, there was a little bit of a wow factor. It was a complete just random play. It was very early. Bond caught his second one. Mm. And the, then the, just, he blew the guy up and just on decleated that defensive <gasps> back on third down. Like, yeah, that was. I jumped out of my seat. On that, that was like, whoa. Too. Yeah, he was. Uh, that's a man Fun right there. Fun fact for you, Mark, For since you, you told everyone to stay away from that 39-point spread, Nick yeah. Saban now 14-2 and two against the spread in season openers How about in his that? time at Alabama. How about that? There you go. All right, so we got the order wrong. Of course, as soon as we go off the air on Friday, they we, we find out later who, the, who they're starting. Yeah. But we also talked about... The, the rotation in which they were going to go. And I'm pretty sure of everybody that chimed in the app that day, everybody had the same answer. And it was wrong. Miller, Simpson, Buckner? Yeah, and it was it was Buckner that got the, the, the second shift there. Um, but, but all in all, I, I, you know, and again, there's not a whole lot you can glean from that game. But this, we were talking about, it. No, you guys don't like cupcake games. I don't either. But for teams like Auburn, for teams like Alabama, I think you, as a coach, and sometimes even as a, a, a fan, you would rather the cupcake before going into Texas or going into Cal just to work out whatever unknowns or kinks that you might have. How about this? Talking about, I'm not going to say they're a cupcake. I don't know enough about them. Northern Illinois. So Boston College hosting Northern Illinois, and they lose, I think it was overtime. They dished out $1.1 million to bring a team in, and then they lose to that team. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a that's a cupcake. If you pay somebody a million dollars to come to you, that's yeah. a cupcake. Uh, uh, on, the, on the Simpson thing, man, I, I'm just about – and I, I hate to say this. But you're going to say it. Well, I mean, because I was a pretty big believer in Ty. I think a lot of people, myself included, believed throughout a good chunk of the offseason that he was going to be the starting quarterback. I'm just about ready to give up on on Ty Simpson ever being the starting quarterback, barring an injury situation. Too early, Michael. I, Way Lee, too early got, to give he up. He got beat out by Tyler Buckner. He hey. I, he dropped the quarterback throw. What has Ty Simpson done so poorly over this offseason that, one, he didn't claim the starting job from Milrow, and, two, he got beat out for the backup job by Tyler Buckner? Well, He's dropped the QB three. He will never be the starting quarterback for Alabama. Well, then he can transfer to Tennessee Martin and start. I, I think I think that's what's going on. I mean, I don't know about UT Martin, but I think well, that's Ty where Simpson his dad, will. That's where his yeah. dad that's the head right. coach, right? Correct. Well, you remember, I we talked about this last week uh, during one of Nick Saban's, maybe it was his radio show or one of the comments he made was, uh, and I think it was directed about, it was was body language and getting over bad plays yeah. and, and, and not showing that emotion. I think that probably plagued his fall and spring. And, 
you know, when you get down on yourself, the, Saban doesn't like the body language and doesn't like you to react in any way that would show any type of emotion. I didn't. Now, granted, I didn't see a whole lot of that on Saturday, but at that point, see the quarterback. I'm hearing a lot of good news about is the uh, the freshman Dylan Lonergan. That's what I'm hearing. Three facts for you, Lee. Yeah. Ty Simpson is QB three right now. Dylan Lonergan is good. And you got Julian saying coming in next year. There, Ty Simpson will never be the starting quarterback for Alabama. And right. I, it was crazy to say this like three months ago, but it is what it is, man. He's hey, got to end up transferring. Hey, Dad, can, can you use a quarterback? How many of y'all now, how many of y'all want to see him start at least one game this G- season just so we can come back to this conversation and say, Bronner? Again, this is barring this is barring injury. I should use that qualifier, but I, and we'll see how Milrow looks. Look, next I, week I enjoyed game. watching Milrow too. I but, did too. But you got to understand the team, and let's see what happens after Texas, how this plays out, because as even Nick Saban said, nobody has won the starting job yet. He did say that. He did, but he's not saying that for us. He's saying it for them. Again, if Milrow is decent and they win next week, you can say it's case closed at that point. Barring injury. Again, but of course, it's always barring injury. But uh, And honestly, I like Alabama's chances next week. I've gotten of course more you more, do. I've, well, I've gotten more and more confident. I'm nervous, cautiously optimistic. you throw optimistic. stuff down on that? Do you bet? Ah, uh, you know. So let me ask you. Wait, this. wait, wait. You know. Do you bet or not? Yes or no? You know, I've been maybe known to place a casual wager here and there. What's the most you've ever won on a casual wager? That's not for on air. All right, better yet, what's the most you've ever lost? Oh, that's even less for on air consumption. Hmm. Okay. The uh, the twenty twenty one national championship against Georgia was a rough night for a couple of reasons. Okay. I uh, will we'll we'll let you slide on that one. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Let's get you a scoreboard and some weather here. We'll come back with our Millite golf report. Uh, we'll talk some Jags with Daniel McCarthy at 7:30. Justin Ferguson on Auburn at 8 o'clock. Glenn Gilbo on LSU at 8:20, and Mike Rodak at 8:30 on Alabama. It's Labor Day for you guys. Hope you guys are enjoying your off day. And if you're working like we are, we salute you, sir. It's Sports Radio 105.5 FM, WNSP, and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. Boys and girls, thanks for hanging with us on this Labor Day Monday. Mark Lee Bronner, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. And the Miller Light Golf Report, courtesy of Mr. Johnny Ricchetti. Johnny, apparently the uh, Walker Cup takes center stage. Am I correct on that, Walker Cup? Yeah, it was uh, pretty good stuff, Lee. Uh, the American team was uh, behind going into the final matches and single matches. Yesterday afternoon at the historic St. Andrews Golf Club, and uh, the American team came back and ended up winning the Walker Cup team. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty interesting thing as we uh, – congratulations, obviously, to the American team. But, you know, to have two players, A, from the state of Alabama, and B, from the city of Birmingham, as we talk about Gordon Sargent, 
uh, I mean, and Nick Dunlop, a uh, pretty incredible feat in itself. So I know both those boys, I know Gordon Sargent played real well and uh, uh, also Nick Dunlop, but uh, that was a pretty interesting, pretty interesting feat that both those guys were on that team. And, and even though they, they sent them out yesterday morning in best ball, uh, they had to get a win and, there was something that was, you know, the behind the scenes that they wanted to do. The two of them play together, and they went out and won their match. So congratulations to the American team for winning uh, the Walker Cup uh, yesterday in St. Andrews coming from behind. It was pretty interesting. And now, um, you know, P.J. Tours not on. P.J. Tours not on playing this week, but uh, uh, the D.P., the European Tour, the six players were made. I'm waiting right now. Uh, any moment now, I think uh, Luke Donald should be making his sixth additional captain's pick for the Ryder Cup team for the European team. But now, look at the guys who automatically, come, you know, made it yesterday. And uh, you know, you, they got McElroy and they got Rom, and they got Hovland, and they got Terrell Hatton, and Fitzpatrick, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Robert McIntyre. Uh, you know, Fleetwood, these guys all made the team. I mean, their team's lead, that team looks pretty good. And then waiting on, you know, some of the captain's picks, you look at, uh, I'm, I'm pretty confident Justin Rose will be there and Shane Lowry and hopefully uh, another uh, big hitting Australian, Sepp Straka that lives in Birmingham might be on that team. <laughs> he won this year, so. And yesterday, a rookie uh, who played at Texas Tech, Ludwig Adberg, he won on the European Tour yesterday, and there's speculation that he might make the team as a rookie too. So I'm um, just waiting on confirmation. should be momentarily now that Luke Donald has made his six additional picks. Well, Johnny, we appreciate it. Uh, you'll be uh, back with us tomorrow night, right? With the uh... Yeah, tomorrow night. The golf show will be at Felix's Fish Camp tomorrow night. Looking forward to it, and we'll have a complete recap of the weekend's world of golf so hopefully everybody has a great labor day monday be, be safe out there looks like today should be a gorgeous day and please don't drink and drive and we'll talk to everybody tomorrow night appreciate it by the way i didn't get it to the scoreboard but uh for you basketball fans the usa lost to lithuania yesterday in the fiba by six points but they still qualify for the olympics in paris they still compete in the FIBA tournament. They'll play Italy next up. That's tomorrow. Mm -mm -mm -mm. All right, so we got a lot to get to throughout the course of the next 90 minutes. We'll start with some South Alabama talk with Daniel McCarthy. Uh, you guys can tell us in the app what you thought of uh, Alabama, Auburn, South, Colorado, Florida State, and LSU. Apparently, Triple G's got some explaining to do. Oh, he's been talking up LSU all off season, which yeah. by the way, you know, I've made this case before cuz, you know, this loss is not really going to hurt LSU no. all that much in the grand scheme. I mean, not conference losses sh should affect conference standings, but it is what it is. Wait, wait, say that again. Non-conference losses should affect conference standings. LSU shouldn't Why? just be unpunished in the SEC because they got skull dragged by Florida State in the first game. Well, well how would you do that? shouldn't affect them at all? Well, what, what do you put, give them a loss? It's a not, how do you do They that? lost. What do you mean? But it doesn't it, matter it in the conference. By, it should go by record. But it doesn't matter. And you're saying it should affect their conference standing. But why should it? 
They're non-conference, but they're non-conference games. Kind of hints the name non-conference yeah. game. Uh, I, I I understand. So but. so every cupcake that they never schedule like a, a a major again. They couldn't get a payday. It would Maybe impact. there should be a qualifying rule that you have to have like some sort of major non-conference game as well. I don't know. We're still working it out. Clearly. Clearly. Where'd this one come from, Michael? We'll uh, get more into it later. Where'd this I, come from? I've been saying this since last year, since LSU lost to Florida State last Ron year. Ron's still, still drinking on this Labor Day weekend. Jeez, what a weekend he Ron's hot take. Make non-conference games you, matter in conference. If you, if you win that name and tailgating, Ron's the guy to have out there. No, but. you won't get any of it. Stay with us. Thanks for hanging with us on this Labor Day Monday. We are in the studios of WNSP. Mark Heim, Lee Trevanian, Michael Bronner with you right here on the sports station WNSP. segment brought to you by South Alabama Athletics. They have their first home game coming up Saturday. Rather than me tell you about it, I'm going to have our next guest, Deputy Athletic Director uh, Daniel McCarthy, talk about that in just a little bit. Daniel, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Morning, fellas. Happy Labor Day. We got questions for you about Saturday night. Mark and I both looking forward to that game. Obviously, from my standpoint, yeah. it didn't go as well as I thought it would. I want to get an overview from you. What happened as far as you're concerned with that JAG team? Yeah, certainly, you know, disappointing uh, considering every, you know, everything building up to it and the offseason and all the work put in. But, um, you know, I don't think you let, you know, a game like that define a season. Obviously, this is a veteran team with a lot of returning starters, a lot of talent. We know that. Uh, and so I think uh, I think you just put it behind you and bounce back. But in terms of the game itself, it was tough. I mean, that's a really good Tulane team. I, I'll, I'll say I did watch them last year. Obviously, they beat the Heisman Trophy winner in the Cotton Bowl. Um, they have a top 25 uh, in front of their, their name for a reason. And, and seeing them in person, I was very impressed. Um, with them top to bottom, I mean, Michael Pratt, I mean, he's a next-level quarterback, 14-15 for 396 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's pretty efficient work. So, uh, you know, obviously that that's that's a part of it, but there were some things that I, I think we would love to have back, some turnovers, some, some penalties in some key situations where we were trying to gain some momentum on a drive. I mean, those, those were things that I think became a little bit of the Achilles heel. Um, could have been a shootout down the stretch had some of that stuff not been self-inflicted, but you know, nonetheless, I think you put it behind you and you, you look forward to, to what's to come, which is going to be a, a great next 11 games. All right, let me ask you this. How was Tulane able to uh, free up guys down the middle for those 47-yard, those three touchdown passes from Pratt down the middle where nobody was near the receiver for Tulane? How how did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think they were they were really good up front. I, I, they, we did not disrupt them as much as I think we would have liked to. Uh, in that in that initial push uh, across the line, I mean he he was able to sort of sit back there and 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 make those plays. He was only hit a couple times early on. Uh, you know you just never really disrupted his rhythm. So uh, I think you know our secondary obviously is going to be the talk and some of the question mark. But I think we've got a talented group back there. And you know listening to Kane talk post game, he, he's talking execution. He, he thinks these guys, you know we, we're we're good. We can cover. <laughs> we're we're going to be okay. Uh, we just had eyes in the wrong spot at the wrong times, and unfortunately, when you're playing against a quarterback who's going to play on Sundays, 
that gets exposed. Uh, and so, uh, just uh, yeah, just a little bit, um, a little bit of a disappointment um, in that regard. But I, I don't think that, uh, at least from my perspective, certainly you'd love to have had it. But I don't think there's anything to be concerned about as we look forward. Yeah, Daniel McCarthy, our guest here on WNSP. Yeah, I agree, hand in hand. I think while the secondary looked like it got exposed, there just was not a whole lot of push up front. And that's the Tulane's credit, right? That's an experienced group of guys they got up front. We knew that was going to be an issue. Um, what are you hearing about the on the injury front? I know I think McReynolds went down. I didn't see him come back. It looked like someone fell on his ankle there on a kick return or something. Uh, what are you hearing in that regard? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, you, you're taking live rounds for the first time, right? You yeah. simulate as much as you can in preseason, and, and you do go hard. But when you start taking hits with that adrenaline at full speed, you're going to get bumps and bruises. So um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure where we stand uh, after the weekend. There were some guys that I, I think came off. Some of it was likely precautionary um, and, and just trying to, to, to not put anybody in, in any kind of jeopardy or peril for the remainder of the season. But um, we'll see. You know, we'll see how this week shakes out. Obviously, uh, you can't ever look past any of them. But hopefully an FCS opponent at home, which is going to be a great home opener, gives us a chance to get some guys who may have gotten a little banged up some rest. You know, those twos and maybe even the threes can get some time. Um, if we execute like we should this weekend, you know, you get a chance to rest those guys up. How about the fact, another thing, too, we were not, it didn't seem like South Alabama was able to really establish much of a running game. How did you see it? Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, I think it was running back by committee, you know, for a little bit. And, and so no one had, you know, tremendous amount of, of huge chunks of yardage. Um, and there were times, though, where I felt like we, we did get, like I said, we got some rhythm going in a couple of drives. I mean, you'd cut it to three. You'd cut it to seven in the third quarter. Um, and just couldn't get that big defensive stop. But then even on some drives that you felt like that was going to get us back into the game, you, you know, you'd have a, a third and two situation with a false start that became yeah. third and seven. Yeah. And so there's a lot of situations that I think change where, you know, you, you, you go from now an off tackle and third and two to having to throw some sort of screen pass or short intermediate, intermediate pass um, to try to convert that first down. So just – the, the rhythm was off in, in a few situations that I think did affect the run game um, where we just couldn't get that momentum going. Yeah, there's never a good time for a pre-snap penalty, but it always seemed like it was that third and short, to your point. Uh, and then the, I think the fourth and three, which I, I like to call they went for it with 141 in the third, but you don't you don't get it down 31-17. That, that pretty much, I don't want to say sealed your fate, but it pretty much kind of put you behind the eight ball. And then... I thought a microcosm of the game, the way the game went, Daniel, was with like a nine and a half minutes left. Miller gets the fumble, right? South gets that turnover, and then he kind of fumbled it right back to him. So not only does Tulane retain possession, but they get the first down. Like, they get a new set of downs. It was just it, – it you felt like pulling out your hair at that point because it was, a, it, it was a, a potential to put a little more pressure on Tulane. You just couldn't get it done. Yeah, a lot of people said that about that play. That sort of summed it all up. And from my angle, it looked like Miller dropped it. It looked like it bounced off the turf. I was really didn't go to a review, um, but it didn't. But yeah, I think that that was one of those plays that might have just sort of put the, the cherry on the top for the the way some things had gone for us. But I, again, I, I'll, I'll say as, as disappointing as this, I, I, there's a lot of things to possibly take out of it. I mean, that's a Tulane team that last year lost early to Southern Miss and went on to win, you know, 12 ball games and, and a Cotton Bowl championship yeah. year six. So, you know, you, you can't let one loss. And I, I think our team responded that way last year. We, you know, we lost to Troy midseason and, and won five straight down the stretch. So you, Kane's message to the team post game was be responsive, put it in the rearview mirror, and let's go. Let's see how we respond. Veteran teams will respond. So 
We'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll forget those things and hopefully look forward to, to what's going to be a great season. All right, uh, Daniel, set the stage for the home opener. What, what do we need to know about Saturday's game, 4 o'clock, SEC Louisiana? Just talk about that. Yeah, so uh, 4 o'clock on, like you said, 4 o'clock on, on Saturday afternoon at Hancock Whitney Stadium. Gates will open at 2.30, parking lots at 8. Um, you know, we're excited about just being back home in front of the home crowd. Um, seems like it's been forever uh, since that Old Dominion game, so a chance to to, to get our fans out and, and introduce them to this year's team uh, and, and can continue to get people behind what we're trying to do on campus. Um, you know, lots of pregame stuff, whether it be food trucks at the game, tailgating, um, hopefully, the I know it's hot, but hopefully folks come out and tailgate. Um, we'll do our, our, our Jag Prowl, which is our team Mardi Gras parade, into the into the, the, the into campus on Saturday. All that happening uh, pregame. So you know it's going to be a great day out of Hancock Whitney, and look forward to seeing folks out there. Hey Daniel, thank you so much for getting up early with us here on Labor Day, man. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right, thanks guys. Yep. Appreciate you. Uh, I, I will look. We've had Carter Bradley on a couple times. Dude can sling it now. There's no question. Dude can eat can sling it so um i was pumped for that game i thought it was a really cool environment uh i thought jag fans traveled well uh they just just couldn't get over the hump man i thought i I thought tulane was better up front on both sides of the ball and um and look they even ran that double pass uh when things were tight you remember we didn't even talk about that tulane ran that double pass where uh they went to a wildcat and uh they flung it over to him on the on to the right side, I think, and they just got behind the secondary. You know, was, last year, a lot of attention was the, the running back, who's now in the NFL for Tulane. and Tyre Spear. Yeah, and so little on Pratt, the quarterback. Uh, and I guess as we watched him throw touchdown pass after touchdown, he's on the verge of becoming Tulane's all-time touchdown leader career-wise. Did he throwing. tie it or did he did he surpass I it? I think he, I can't remember. I don't. I can't remember. He was he was so close. I think he tied it. Uh, there was a guy named Patrick Ramsey. Yeah. And then he passed King. King Sean was King. King was there when Tommy Bowden. I remember yeah. him. And then Patrick Ramsey. So he either tied it. J.P. Lostman was on that uh, yes. on that list. <laughs> well, if anybody back. should know, you're the Tulane uh, yeah. homer. You yeah. followed them over the years. But I, I'm going to be honest, I was very impressed with Tulane. I, I didn't realize they were that strong in the trenches. Yeah. Well, that's a veteran group that came back. So Only uh, two of us, Mark, had the courage in WNSP staff picks to go ahead and pick Tulane. Yeah. Take a wild guess who those two were, Lee. Uh, you and Mark, <laughs> you're, you're talking. You, you're talking this, to him. Is this uh, like blow your own horn? Uh, no, I'm ju- I'm, you hey, know, now what kind of party are we playing here? No, I mean, you know, look, I'm there just, were there were national there. there were national talking heads that were picking South Alabama in this game. I know. Who, really, you know, who picked them? All right, help me out on this. Remember the guy that left ESPN? They called him the Bear. Yeah. Yeah, he he did a say. I was watching the Fo- he's with Fox now, right? And he really went to town on this game and said it was going to be a as you did and as I did. We thought this would be one of the better matchups, and he said, "Don't be surprised if South Alabama wins this game," which really took me by surprise because I didn't expect, you know, many of the so-called national uh, talking heads to really get into that and to give South Alabama such uh, kudos. But he did. Hmm. I will say all five of us took LSU uh, f- 
only Corey took UNC over South Carolina, so credit to him. I thought I didn't have UNC. I thought I picked North Carolina. No. I yeah, I think I did too. I, I, let's uh, go back to let's yeah, go let's back uh, to the. Uh, the, the I thought I, go read it on hey, WNSB.com. Michael, let me say this to to what you're saying. Now you know why I don't bet. <laughs> now you know. By the way, I would. I don't even make a gentleman's bet on picks on Nuggets for tonight because the fifth game of the week was Clemson Duke. There is one person who had the courage to pick Duke tonight. Courage? I picked Duke. I went with Riley Leonard tonight. Well, I think they have a good shot. Legitimately, I. I, I, really I hope do so. Think that. You're worried about courage to pick a game. Well. Four four people picked Clemson. One person picked Duke. I think that takes a little courage to stand alone. I don't. I don't, I don't think it does if you know ahead of time who everybody picked before you submit your picks. I mean, I think I could have said with great In confidence fact, before I the fact that no one else was going to pick Duke. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yes, you are correct. I did get to see all the picks <laughs> before, you did. <laughs> before I got. All right, you want to put the article together then? No. All right, then no. quit complaining about it. I'm not complaining about the article. I'm just. It, I'm, I'm complaining about one person giving himself all the credit for picking against the status quo, knowing what the status quo was before you picked your to be game. Fair, I, I, I did go with the status quo, and all five of us picked LSU. So, yeah. All right. Well, we might have been wrong. Gosh, I thought I was going to be right on with that after that first series. You know, when they drove the first two plays. Yeah. I'm they, like, wow, this this looks like really, really explosive. And uh oh, they got that soft penalty call too. The uh, unnecessary roughness on third and goal or how many? Yeah. Goal. How many plays did they have inside the five yard line? Six. And, and, and they six. and they and they kept running the ball inside. Yeah. I mean. What do you what if it should have brought working, in Robbie Ashford? Is it possible? Well, J Jane Daniels can run. <laughs> is it possible that Brian Kelly is maybe a little bit of a dum dum? Maybe. Boy, this is no. I think uh, I think what they were trying to do was um, I don't know if he was dumb as more more so than he was just prideful. Like he's we're gonna we're gonna manhandle this team. We're gonna go in here. We're gonna show you. We're gonna make a statement right here on the first possession. Did you hear what he said after hard. the game? That he thought they were, they thought they were the Georgia Bulldogs. He said, <laughs> he said we're clearly not the football team I thought we were. Yeah, uh, way to motivate I your was, guys, coach. You know, I started to wonder <laughs> if they even brought a field goal kicker with them because they kept trying to push it in, push it in. You know, why not settle for some points, get a get a good lead? Again, could not happen to a more likable. Well, guy. you're you're essentially on the road. You go all the way down. You, you're going to try to seize momentum early. I don't have a problem going for it. I, I might have a first time, yes, but the second time, when you didn't get it in the first time, maybe you know you go for the field goal just to have points. Call a different play. True. This constant just trying to push it inside when you have a quarterback who is like Robbie Ashford. <laughs> I mean, he led the team in rushing yesterday. It's a joke. All right, let's do this. A little bit. Better I guess we'll never Ashford. get Brian Kelly on here with Michael Brauner. Ah, I mean, well, were we going to? Yes, yes, we were. Mark and I were working on it, but th this will <laughs> kill it. All right, said, come take, on to Alabama, work I, on your Southern accent. I, I, come join I, us. I, I respect Brian Kelly. No, you don't. I'm here with my family. Yeah, my family. Remember who went to the SEC title game in the West last year, buddy? Well, I, yeah, I remember. First year. You, yes. me, you remember who went to the college football playoff last year? First year? TCU. You know who's not going this year, Lee? TCU and, L and LSU? But, well, yeah, both of them. <laughs> yeah, Brian, Kel Brian Kelly ain't going back this year. Uh, More likely Auburn makes it than Brian Kelly makes it.
All right, so here's what we got. Uh, we're going to come back. We're going to catch up with George Spurlock. He uh, represents our WNSP team of the day in Presley Roofing. We'll do that. Justin Ferguson on Auburn. Glenn Gilbo on LSU. Mike Rodak on Alabama. Bam, bam, bam. Hour number three, Labor Day, Monday, here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. This is George Pada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFP. Number two on this Labor Day Monday edition. Mark Heim, Alicia Shervanian, and Michael Bronner with you from the studios of WNSP. It's now time to introduce you to WNSP's team of the day. That's, of course, Presley Roofing. Uh, and on with us right now, George Spurlock. George, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, great, Mark. How you doing this morning? I'm great, man. We know you guys do a lot of great work with roof uh, with roof work, both industrial, commercial, the whole deal, residential. But where you guys probably set yourself apart more, more so than anywhere, is when it comes to the personalized service. Tell us all about it. Yeah, just the other day, I went and was standing in the front yard with a man, and uh, he had called because he heard you and I talking on the radio a couple of weeks ago, and and he said, "Man, you really do actually go out and talk to all the all the customers." And <laughs> you know, in this day and age where you can do measurements of roofs through satellite imaging and, and other software. We think there's an extreme value with standing face-to-face with a potential client and pointing out things on the roof and things of how we can help them so that the things become important to us. All right, so tell everybody what's the best way to get in touch with you, specifically because you contact everybody. How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, if you want to call Miss Samantha at the office at 251-457-6598, or on our website at presleyroofinginc.com. All right, and then as always, we want to tell people and press upon people that you don't have to wait for a sto- after the storm to come through. You do a lot of preventative stuff, too, before uh, before anything happens. So make sure you guys call George and the fine folks at Presley Roofing. George, thank you so much for joining us. Presley Roofing, WNSP's team of the day. Take care, Mark. Yep. Uh, give him a call, 457-6598. That's 457-6598. Emergency service available, obviously. Go to presleyroofinginc.com. That's presleyroofinginc.com. Presley with one S. All right. Give us a call, 694-1055. Give us your reaction to week one of the college football season. Spent a lot of time on Alabama, Auburn South, of course, Colorado, and LSU's debacle last night. Most impressive week one victory and most horrific week one performance. Anybody? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Baylor losing to Texas State. Uh, 26 and a half point pick. Texas State had never beaten a uh, power five team ever in their short history. The most impressive, I think, well, to me was Colorado. I mean, it's the game I stayed with. It was uh, the fact that they even they took the lead and came from behind. They weren't even supposed to be in that game. Most people wrote them off even before the halftime. They were making fun of, well, Colorado and all these new guys. So, to me, that would be, to me, the most impressive win. Mm. Yeah, Lee, Lee, Lee took uh, kind of both of mine there. But I'm going to go most 
most horrific? I'm going to say LSU, man. I mean, they just got dog-walked by Florida State last night. And again, in the grand scheme, it doesn't bury you. It's like if Alabama loses to Texas next week, it doesn't bury them. Everything is still out in front of LSU in terms of it doesn't affect you in the West. It doesn't, like, obviously you don't want to take an early loss for a team that wants to make the college football playoff, but everything is still out in front of them. But what an awful, awful performance. Because yeah. uh, LSU, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but LSU tacked one on late, a meaningless one. So yeah. it wasn't even as close as that score ended. No, it, it was. I mean, I turned it off. I don't, I don't, I'm not a turn game off kind of guy, but I, I turned it off and went to bed. And, uh, yeah, so most impressive, uh, well, it happens tonight, actually, when Duke takes down Clemson. But, mm, Honestly, I might even go with the same game and just say Florida State's dominance of of LSU. Yeah. And just I mean, what a statement victory for the Knowles. Yeah, because I think you can say make that same case for TCU being the most just ridiculous oh, performance. God, I mean, embarrassing. The fact that you roll into a game where a team that had only won one game prior uh, the se- the season before go in there and you lay an egg, picked up right where they left off yeah. in the national championship. Yeah, it was again. It's, the fact that we let that team play for a national championship last year is kind of disgraceful. Well, you weren't on the committee, so don't blame yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. It's You're not being so hard on yourself, yeah. Connor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we got to get Bill Hancock. Yeah, you know what? On. You weren't. You weren't on uh, the committee, so don't don't take the blame for that. All right, uh, quarterback. How about you, Mark. Uh, I w- I would say um, Colorado with the biggest win, but I, I think I might go. TCU with the most disappointing loss. Um, although LSU is a compelling nominee, uh, <laughs> that LSU game was that that was the one that was supposed to be competitive coming down to the end, and that that's just oh, oh look, kudos to TJ Finley. You mentioned Texas State. How about TJ Finley? Yeah, rising from the ashes there and taking care of business <laughs> like a phoenix yeah. from the ashes. Yeah, that's so the most interesting storyline from that Baylor upset. Yeah, is the fact that, that TJ Finley is the quarterback. I didn't even know dude was at Texas many, State. How many honestly. schools has he been? And then you had that other guy uh, in the Texas win over Rice, JT Daniels. Yeah, oh, that's, that's gotta right. Be, it's got to be what his fourth school. I think JT might be on school number five. Is as it? A matter of fact. Okay, so let's USC, West Virginia, Georgia, Rice. Maybe it is just four if I'm forgetting one. But oh. Boy. Every year, does he still have any eligibility after this year that he could go to another school? Uh, I don't know. I just at this point, you know, in the post-COVID world, I just assume everyone has an extra year of eligibility if yeah. they want it. Now, call me crazy, but after week one, don't you have to put Shador Sanders and Jalen Milrow in the Heisman talk? I also put Travis Hunter in there. Travis Hunter. Too. I agree with you on those, but I also put uh, Travis Hunter. But as far as dark and horses, think, and I think it's pretty clear they would be. And dark I said horses. this earlier. I'm saying Travis Hunter now, even perhaps even more so than Sanders, for this reason that these pollsters really gravitate to somebody who who plays both offense and defense because it's so rare. And the interview after the game, they asked Travis, could you go in and play? He said, look, I'm not tired at all. The guy was in almost over 100 plays in the game. Yeah, We'll see how that plays out throughout the course of the season. It will be be fun to watch, though. You know what's funny? And and Texas was not overly impressive versus Rice by any means. Again, it's week one. But the Quinn Ewers Heisman campaign, which I think was a hot name thrown around for Heisman in the offseason, this week, it it, it really either – is on the fast track with a win this weekend or completely ends uh, yeah. this week. So, you know, keep an, keep an eye on that. He 
pretty much becomes the favorite if they win this weekend with a great game. I don't. Right now, the favorite, whether you like it or not, is Caleb Williams. This is po- well, This is post week two. We're talking yeah, about Qu- a post. He goes into the great. season. So here's the deal. He goes into He's the season so as the favorite, and he hasn't done anything to hurt his chances yet. He's so good. It's unbelievable. And then you have Drake May, who had the good game against South Carolina. Those are the two favorites going in. I think Bronner's in love. Oh, my God, dude. He's so he good. Might, he, might, he might be the best college quarterback <laughs> I've ever seen. Who? Caleb Williams. And I'm not, like, a huge fan of him either. But you know, it, it doesn't sound like it at all. I mean, I'm, I'm really not, like, but... It's it's undeniable what's in front of your what's in front of your eyes. Some of the throws he's made already, it, it, it's unbelievable how good he is. Well, I thought the same thing about Sanders. The throws he made, the arm strength on Caleb Williams, man, he's gonna be a superstar. Bron are all hot and bothered over there. He's in love. All right, when Let's we talk come Caleb back. Williams in the next hour, uh, <laughs> the whole hour. Justin Ferguson joins us next. We'll talk some Auburn. Glenn Gilbo on LSU and then Mike Rodak on Alabama. Hour number three on this Labor Day Monday edition. Mark Lee and Bronner right here on the sports station WNSP. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM, WNSP, and on the Sound of Mobile app. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim, Lee Shervanian, and Michael Bronner. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark, Lee, and Michael. Indeed we are. Hope you and yours having a good Labor Day if you're uh, working like us. Tip of the cap to you. But uh, we're having, certainly we're having more fun than you guys, I can assure you. Got a release from the uh, Senior Bowl right now. The Senior Bowl is launching its 75th anniversary team online fan voting. Starts right now. The uh, 75th team finalists have been selected. Now it's up to the fans to decide which Pro Football Hall of Famers and all-time legends will return to Mobile. You can start voting through September 25th at SeniorBowl.com slash 75th team. Go to it. Bring back Joe Namath. Vote him in. Okay. All right. Do whatever you can. All right. Let's uh, let's talk some Auburn football now. And Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Justin, I thank you for joining us this morning good morning how are you today no i'm doing well how are y'all good look i i don't want i want to phrase this so it doesn't sound i'm not criticizing auburn at all great win expected win i was just raising the point uh, this rotating of the quarterbacks when you get to a certain point will this work in your opinion against obviously better teams um the thing that bothered me of course was the play clock getting down to zero and having to call timeouts and mark brought up a point too about you know Peyton's psych about being taken out is this something that you think is going to continue and if so will it work against your better defensive teams 
Yeah, I think it's going to continue. I don't know how often it's going to be. There was a lot of Robbie Ashford snaps on Saturday. Some of that was, you know, they put him in in the third quarter and just kind of let him run out the rest of the game for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, they need to kind of, you know, get better with the, you know, the substitutions and all that. And Ashford's going to have to show that he can throw out of those sets as well. Didn't do a whole lot of passing on Saturday. Uh, UMass's defense just couldn't hang with him running the ball. Um, couldn't hang with Auburn running the ball, period, most of the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is, you know, something that they're going to want to have to continue to kind of improve and work on. Um, you know, I think Ashford is a weapon when you know you want to run the ball for sure. But if you want to be able to kind of maximize uh, the scope of that package, yeah, you're going to need him to be able to throw the ball and, and do some things out of it. Um, didn't have to do that against UMass. Didn't have to showcase that uh, against UMass. Um, didn't want to show off too much, I don't think, through the air. And that, that even included when Peyton Thorne was in the game. So, yeah, it's something that I think can definitely get better, um, and they're, they're going to need to. But I do think Robbie Ashford, though, those snaps are going to—they're here to stay in this offense. All right, I just wanted to make sure that you know I'm understood on this. I don't mind Ashford starting out, you know, with the series, whether it's the 2025. I was just concerned about when you get inside the 10-yard yeah. line and you make a change like that. And I think the defense pretty well knows what's going to happen. And it really presented an unusual stat. He had as many rushing touchdowns as he had passing yards in the game. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. I mean, you you got to be able to you got to be able to throw out of that at times. You got to be able to do things where you know it doesn't. It's not predictable. Um, you know when you when you come when you have a guy come into a game. Uh, and uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, he he had I think he only had six pass attempts all game, only three yards. It's, he had one call back for for holding that could have been a bigger play but yeah no this is uh, th this was a game where Auburn could kind of do whatever they wanted on offense uh, for the most part um, and you know down in the red zone they've been a lot of, they, they've been really effective I thought uh, when we got to watch them at practice they had been pretty effective in the red zone when um, you know they put Ashford into the game so I wasn't surprised to see them roll that out there on Saturday uh, and just kind of give uh, a statement to everybody that hey even though Robbie Ashford is not the starter they're still going to use him do you have any inside information as to whether Jacklis Hunter will be eligible or let's say will be uh, ready to play against uh, California no we don't and, and it's a great question Auburn has continued to kind of uh, be pretty pretty quiet about his buttoned up um you know wasn't surprised at all that he didn't play on saturday against uh against umass at all um you know i wouldn't be surprised if he didn't play saturday against cal either uh but you know auburn has not really shown any sort of indication one way or another it's a guy who had practiced you know, all the way up to leading up to this game uh and Nothing from the university side, nothing from the football program side has kind of indicated, you know, one, one thing or another. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of handled that this week. I did think, though, that uh, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Brian Batie, uh, they all ran the ball really well, I thought, in the game. So, you know, if Jerko Sutter is not able to go, um, I, I think Auburn is still going to be fine and able to, you know, rely on some of these running backs but you know they obviously want they, they obviously want to have Jarquez back as soon as they can it's just very very uh in the dark about kind of when that's going to be uh and wasn't there wasn't there some speculation or weren't weren't some guys told at the stadium that 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 freeze was going to acknowledge that or talk about that after the game and never really did right 
No, uh, the, the press conference after the game was really, really short. Yeah. Uh, I think compared to, to what we did, and it never got to it. You know, I think, um, you know, talking to some people after the game, uh, Auburn, that, you know, they – they were, you know, kind of deferred back to what they had said all off season um, with Hunter, and it's just, hey, you know, personnel matters are going to be, you know, handled internally, and we're not going to talk about it publicly. Um, so I think if they would have announced that, um, if they would have made that statement, you wouldn't have really gotten anything. But yeah, it was interesting that you know, you didn't really hear that. Um, and I think with <laughs> the limited time that we got with Freeze after the game, uh, a lot of the focus of it was on the game itself and so did you know a little quirk that we just didn't actually hear anything uh, about it because you know nobody asked justin ferguson from the auburn observer and so one of the narratives going into the season could they put together an imposing offensive line what was your first evaluation of the offensive line i thought the offensive line played really well I mean, you know it is umass uh, they they weren't going to be able to line up with Auburn uh, physically uh, for four quarters uh, by any means. But uh, Auburn played 13 different offensive linemen on Saturday, um, rotated a lot. Uh, I don't think there was – there might have been only once the whole game where they played the same offensive line on back-to-back drives. Um, they even got different guys in there on on the same drive. Auburn's starting lineup was pretty good. Um, you know, you, you know the, when the starters were on the field, Auburn scored four touchdowns, uh, averaged about – you know, six, seven yards of play, had a really high success rate. Um, you know, that that's the unit that they felt the most comfortable with this year, and that's the one with Isaiah Miller at right tackle uh, and Gunnar Britton at left guard. Um, I think that's probably the one they're going to lean on this year. But um, I thought when guys like, uh, you know, when guys like Jeremiah Wright got into the game, when guys like Connor Lou got into the game, um, Auburn still was able to move the ball pretty well. So, you know, Freeze kind of left it open that they would be able – maybe to play more than just five offensive linemen, at least in the early part of the season. Um, Auburn ran fast. Um, you know, they didn't give up any sacks, uh, didn't give up very many pressures at all. And that's, that's UMass defense that was blitzing a lot, gambling a lot. Um, so to be able to kind of hold that up against that, I thought was pretty good. So, yeah, Auburn's offensive line, good start, solid first start, especially with the fact that they rotated a lot of different guys. I thought that was a pretty good sign for just how far this offensive line's come in, in this offseason. Are they going to have trouble with California? I think so. I mean, it's it's going to be a game. You know, it's, uh, Auburn's a touchdown favorite away from home. You didn't see anything from Cal this past weekend. They beat a really good North Texas team on the road, like by a lot. They ran about like nearly a hundred plays in that game. You know, Auburn's biggest weakness right now, and this is something they've carried over from last season. Is, is run defense. This is a run defense that struggled last year, um, gave up some big plays on the ground, gave up a big you know, first drive from UMass. He just kind of walked down the field and ran the ball well. Auburn tightened up on defense after that, but there were still some plays where you know the guy kind of got gashed um, you know, with, with the running game. Jade Knott, the, the, the Cal star running back, had a huge day on Saturday um, against North Texas. So they're going to get challenged in that area. I mean, Auburn's a better team. They're a more athletic team. Uh, they're a more talented team. Uh, but they're also still very new in a lot of things. And I think a lot of that newness showed on Saturday against UMass, trying to get on the same page on offense and defense. Meanwhile, Cal looks like they've gotten improved offense, and they got a coaching staff that's really defensive-minded uh, and, and has been together for the last few years. So it's, it's going to be kind of continuity versus that talent level. Auburn's got to go all the way across the country, first real road game, um, you know, in, in, in the freeze era. That's going to be – it's going to be a tight game, I think. I, I would be surprised if Auburn went out there and had no trouble with Cal. If they do, 
great. That's a that's a great sign for what you got right now. But I do think this is going to be a pretty good fight. Justin, we appreciate you laboring with us here on this Monday. How can uh, how can people continue to follow your coverage of Auburn as they prepare for Week Two and Cal? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com. Check it out. Six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year gets you access to everything we've got going on all of our newsletters all of our podcasts so recap podcast up yesterday film room up today tons of stuff later this week hey man you're the man we appreciate it have a great day absolutely thank y'all all right we go from one set of tigers to another from auburn to lsu glenn gilbo he covers lsu we'll talk about florida state and uh their big win last night mike rodak at 8 30 on alabama we're just cruising along here on a monday edition it's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station wnsp my name is robert brazil i'm from the class of 2018 pro football hall of fame you're listening to wnsp third down tonight. There's a slant on first down. Gets made by Coleman. Deion Coleman, his first touchdown as a Seminole. All right, 8.30. No, sorry, 8.20. I'm all discombobulated here on a Labor Day. Hope you and yours had a happy uh, weekend and uh, hope you enjoy your day off. And if you're like us and you're working, then kudos to you. It's the opening kickoff. Well, we were, again, efforting and hoping that we could get Glenn Gilbo for outkick. He outkick. He covered. He actually went to the LSU-Florida State game down there in Orlando because we had I had questions, curious about Harold Perkins, why he was so invisible, uh, this great pass rusher who last year came on, and there was so much talk about him. Is Glenn ready to go? Good, good. Glenn, welcome to the uh, opening kickoff. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. How are you, Lee? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm so glad to have you on. So, so many questions out of this. First of all, with uh, LSU driving as they did in the first half, did you have any issues with them play calling inside the five-yard line and not being able to score on fourth down plays? Well, you know, I don't know if that was as much play calling as as not getting the job done, particularly the first one on, uh, you know, at the one-yard line. perhaps, but they, they were getting beat at the line of scrimmage. Um, and they, they just didn't have it. Um, I don't know if it's specifically play calling. They, um, I think they got over, they were overconfident going into the game and then the ease with which they moved the ball early kind of added to that. And, uh, you know, they, they never could cash it in. Yet still they were ahead at, at halftime. <clears throat> they were fortunate to be ahead at halftime. But uh, they just got whacked in the second half. Um, Florida State just, uh, you know, I think they showed more urgency. It looked like it looked like LSU quit in the second half. It really did. I wanted to ask you about Harold Perkins. Why was he so invisible and not doing the things he did last year? Was he playing out of position, or just what was the story with him? Well, I think. Well, you know, we asked that to Brian Kelly, and uh, he said that he is learning a new position. But I think uh, Florida State was ready for him, game plan for him, and and was able to uh, dominate him at at the point of attack. And they they double teamed him, and uh, you know, I, I think he was probably overconfident as well. That statement that Brian Kelly made on his show last Thursday. I didn't see anything about that out. 
until after the game yesterday where he said that his team would go out and beat the heck out of Florida State. Was there much – did you do much with that at all? Well, Lee, you got to start reading Outkick.com. It's a free website. That was the uh, <laughs> that was the headline on Sunday morning. So you you missed it, man. I did. That was the headline. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna beat the heck out of Florida State. That was the headline Sunday morning. But I didn't hear about it for till a few days after as well, because he said it on uh, Wednesday or Thursday when his coach's show was. And it really didn't get a lot of coverage. Um, I don't think it got any coverage in the Baton Rouge paper, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, but um, and you know, but the Florida State players were asked about it, and they didn't know about it. Now I think the coaches had had read about it, but um, that was that was more of a media thing. But um, you know, Jane Daniels said something uh, I thought that was pretty poignant a- after the game. He said that they thought it was going to be easy. Yeah, which is amazing. You're only a two-point favorite going in. They beat you last year. They won 10 games. So I think LSU got a little caught up in the number five ranking and and all the talk about, uh, you know, the one of the better quarterbacks coming back in the SEC. They, uh, you know, they did the classic case of, of getting overconfident. Glenn, uh, thanks for hopping aboard with us. I, I know it's early in the Brian Kelly tenure, but it seems like in this time at LSU, it's either – high or really low there doesn't seem to any be any like middle ground here right so i thought i think it was feldman who tweeted out had some interesting numbers right so you, obviously you beat alabama and you took lane kiffin behind the woodshed right but he i think it was in like the last 10 games lsu's lost three uh three times by at least 20 points um just a bump in the road here or or is this just going to be what brian kelly is highs and lows and nothing in between well, um, I mean, it's definitely kind of weird uh, because, you know, the, he won the SEC West last year, but he he was tied for second worst with four losses of all the SEC West champions. There's only been one with five losses, and there's only been two or three with four. And, yeah, you know, he, he again, he, he got, um, you know, a little, too proud, a little too proud of themselves. They relaxed, you know, things Nick Saban would always preach against. After they beat Alabama, they barely beat Arkansas, and then they got they lost by 20 to a bad A&M team. Their yeah. other loss was a blowout to Tennessee. Their other loss was a blowout to to Georgia. Um, and uh, yeah, so they they've been up and down in his in his first year. Um, but I said going in, this is the I think Florida State was the best team on their schedule. I've been saying that all summer. I like their quarterback better than Alabama's situation. Um, and I think LSU can recover from this because I don't think they're going to play a better team than than Florida State. But, um, you know, he didn't really have that issue with him at, at Notre Dame. He was, he was more consistent. But, you know, I, I think he might be getting punished for some of his early success, like, like beating Alabama and winning the West, you know, kind of, kind of early. I mean, heck, it was his first year, and he, re- he really hasn't replenished his roster completely yet. I mean, that's secondary. I, I said that was the weak spot going in. He's got he's got transfers from small schools in the secondary. That, that should never happen at LSU because Louisiana produces cornerbacks and safeties, and he's got these transfers there. And so he needs more depth on the offensive line. He needs better secondary, and I, I think he'll be more consistent 
you know, probably you'll probably be even more consistent this year. But but I think that that's kind of a blip on the screen early in his tenure, the uh, up and down stuff. All right. So just in case in case people spit out their coffee or ran off the road there here in Mobile, Alabama, you're saying Florida State better than Alabama or anybody in the SEC West this year. No, I was saying Florida State was was well, yeah, yeah, better than anybody else on LSU's schedule. Yeah, I think I think uh, Florida State's quarterback Jordan Travis is much better than Milrow. I mean, I know Milrow had a great game over the weekend, but come on, it was Middle Tennessee. Yeah, and uh, I think uh, yeah, it's it's all about quarterbacks and receivers now more than ever. And Florida State has some some great receivers as well. LSU could not cover him. Right. That uh, transfer from Michigan State, what, Keon Coleman, three touchdown catches. Yeah. Glenn Gilbo out right. kick. Glenn also, by the way, covers all of the SEC, not just LSU. Florida State, contender for the college football playoff in your mind? Well, after this win, yeah, I, I think for sure. I, I said that going in, the winner of this game would be in line, uh, you know, to get into the top five or stay in the top five as far as the rankings right now. And, you know, Florida State, um, they they play Clemson. Other than that, you know, they, they should go through their schedule pretty easily, I would I would think. Um, yeah, and that, that receiver, Keon, is from Opelousas, actually, uh, <laughs> which is a little town near Baton Rouge, and he transferred in from, from Michigan State. But, uh, yeah, I, I think um, – I think Alabama's quarterback issue is going to hurt them throughout this season. Hey, uh, we appreciate it, Glenn. I'll make sure our listeners, including Lee, reads outkick.com moving forward, sir. Have a great week. We appreciate the time. And it is free. It is free, Lee. Right up your alley, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, man. We'll see you. All right, Mike Rodak is next. Look, we talked about it in our very first segment. If he might not be that – I mean, that, that might be a shock to the Crimson Tide system around here on a Monday, but we were talking about how Florida State probably needs a top-five team after week one. It was as impressive a victory as we've seen this week. We'll let that one shock the senses there and come back. Mike Rodak is next. Stay with us. All right, 8.32, boys and girls, here on a Labor Day Monday. Hope you and yours are enjoying the day. Mark and Lee and Michael Braun are all in the studios of WNSP. Good friend of ours, used to uh, cover Alabama for AL.com, Mike Rodak. Uh, Mike, good morning. How are you today? Doing well. Morning to you. I'm going to start out like you know, usually at the end, uh, Mark will ask you to tell our listeners how they can reach you. How about you start out with uh, you tell us right from the get-go. Yeah, Bama247.com, also on Twitter, at Mike Rodak. What did you think of Alabama's first game performance against Middle Tennessee? Well, it kind of reminded me of last year's first game, which, you know, for their sake is probably a good thing um, because obviously you go into last year knowing that you had a good situation at quarterback and, um, you know, there was a lot of encouraging signs at wide receiver, you know, that first game last year. Bryce Young threw five touchdowns and you win fifty five nothing. In this case it's fifty six to seven and you have Jalen Milrow throwing three long touchdowns and 
uh, running for two more. Actually, remember last year, Bryce Young ran for a touchdown against Utah State. He had a 63-yard run, too. So um, it kind of looked like that game last year, um, which, you know, a lot of people weren't expecting this team to look the same. They weren't expecting the quarterback position to look the same or even anything you know, similar to what Bryce Young was. So uh, that certainly was encouraging that it did look pretty close. And, um, you know, obviously the caveat last year is that, you know, the week later after the Utah State game, we go to Texas and the offense did not look good. And that was kind of the, um, you know, the preview of, of coming attractions last season when that offense had issues at some certain points. And, you know, that was part of what doomed that team. And, um, you know, the same thing here. I, I don't think there's any guarantees about what carries over into Texas and what carries over into the rest of the season. But um, I'd say about as, you know, good as you can hope for in an opener against a team that was you know, obviously overmatched. Were you more impressed with the Alabama defense or offense? Uh, I'd say given expectations, probably the offense. Um, you know, I think you knew the defense – um, you know, was was probably going to be able to dominate, you know, the front seven and, and rush the passer, and they certainly did that. I mean, Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, even Quandarius Robinson against Middle Tennessee's offensive line uh, was, was never going to be a good matchup for them. Um, I, you know, I, I do think they handled that spread offense, the, the passing that they, they wanted to do, Middle Tennessee wanted to do, you know, really well um, in the secondary, and, you know, Jalen Key, stepped in front of that pass and picked it off and, um, you know, creating turnovers is certainly a priority, but offensively, you know, you're kind of starting from a lower bar, if you will, where, you know, there wasn't a ton of expectation of what this offense would do. Um, and I think the passing game more so is where the expectations were exceeded, you know, with the, the deep passing game and uh, the three long touchdowns. And, you know, part of that, as Nick Saban said, going into the game was, Middle Tennessee's defense is very big little. You know, they're very aggressive. They'll go make some little plays in terms of, um, you know, sacks and, and keeping it to short yardage, but they're also give up some big plays because they're so aggressive, and that's what happens. And, you know, I think the one area maybe of the offense that wasn't quite as uh, up to expectation was the running game, and Jason McClellan in particular, 39 yards and 10 carries, I don't think is going to excite too many people, um, you know, going into what's clearly going to be a tougher game against Texas. Hey, Mike, uh, on Friday, we asked our listeners to predict the order that the quarterbacks would appear. If it wasn't unanimous, it was pretty damn close. Everybody said the same thing. Jalen Milrow, Ty Simpson, and then Buckner. Were you surprised at all that Buckner was called number uh, was up number two? Yeah, I mean, there was some reporting Friday night, Saturday morning, that, you know, Buckner would, would be the second guy. And, um, yeah, by all accounts, it seems like Ty Simpson did not have a good week of, of practice compared to Buckner. And, that's that's probably where that was overall. You know, I think the the fall camp as a whole, Ty Simpson had the, had the better fall camp, the better scrimmages than Buckner. Um, but you know, Buckner's also a guy who needed some time to to get get into the system. I mean, Ty Simpson's been in the system now twenty one months. I mean, it was December of, of twenty twenty one he got here. Uh, Ty Buckner's been here a couple months, and so he he needed the reps of of you know running this this offense and, and playing with the other players, and I think. You know, now that he's been here for a month of practice, we're, we're kind of seeing the, the fruits of that, where he's he's come along, and um, you know, I don't, you know, he's obviously not going to start the Texas game. I think we can all agree that Jalen Milrow will start that game. And, yeah. You know, we'll have to see how things go from there, but I think we we might have a chance to see a little bit of of Ty Buckner again next week against South Florida. Uh, you know, bad South Florida team. Whether Jalen Milrow is the starter for that game or not, 
you know, you have a chance to play multiple quarterbacks in that one. So um, right now it seems like he's the number two guy. And, yeah, it's – for Ty Simpson, that's, that's, the, that's rough. Um, for a five-star kid two years ago and you know, a lot of expectations going into this year to be the third quarterback as things stand right now is, is obviously not a good situation for him. And if that continues, you know, it's, I think it's pretty easy to see him not being on this team next year. Yeah. Mike Rodak covers Alabama for 24-7. So give us a rundown of Alabama versus Texas. Yeah, it's it's a different on both sides. Um, you know, Texas losing its best player in, in D. John Robinson and even Roshan Johnson, their, their backup running back last year. And uh, that was, you know, the, the centerpiece of their offense. With that said, that's not really what they did last year against Alabama. I mean, B. John Robinson did not have a, a big game. It was Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy. Um, and that passing game in the first quarter that was really, you know, making some inroads. And um, obviously Ewers gets hurt and um, you know, Hudson Card came in. But now you, you go back to Ewers and Worthy. So that part is the same from last year. You know, Alabama is coming in with a much different looking offense. And even Steve Sarkeesian was on, um, you know, during the Florida State LSU game last night talking about that. And you don't totally know what to expect from this Alabama offense. I think, you know, we all think it's going to be a little bit more grounded pound like we saw a little bit on Saturday night, but, you know, I think they're still going to try to use their speed at receiver, and if that's the best matchup for them against Texas, then maybe they could do that. So it's it's different um, in, in some respects. I think it's more different Alabama's offense versus Texas's defense, um, but there's there are a lot of similarities between Texas's offense versus Alabama's defense, and can Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terran Arnold and Malachi Moore, if he plays, can those guys contain um, what was – a pretty promising passing attack that Texas had last year. So that's, you know, I think one of the, the bigger storylines from a personnel standpoint going into this one. Do you think that this Saturday's game will be as close and as tight as last year's game? I do. You know, I, I think a lot of games for this Alabama team could. I just, obviously, you know, you're going to blow out Middle Tennessee State. They're probably going to blow out South Florida. They're going to blow out Chattanooga. Everyone else, I think it, it's going to be a grind. Um, that's just kind of the reality of where they are um, until they prove offensively that they're capable of putting up 40, 50, 55 points against SEC opponents. Like, you know, some of these historical, um, you know, quarterback-based teams have for them, you know, that's it's it's going to play probably in the 20s, 30s. And, um, you know, defensively, you're probably going to give up a few plays. But I think overall, you know, you can probably contain Texas to under – 25 maybe under 30 points and um yeah it's going to be close i think that's that's the expectation across the board and um it's it's a big one i mean this is obviously it's not a conference game but if you drop a game in the second week of the season that's something that really hasn't happened uh in the nick saban era since you know they've been a, a national title title contender so it's um you know kind of putting you behind the eight ball before you even play an sec game if you, if you do lose this one so let me ask you something, and I, I'm trying to remember the timeline when you took over the writing for Alabama with AL.com. Would you put Jalen Milrow as, let's say, more advanced at this stage? Remember, it's only he'll only you know in his second year, but he didn't play much last year than Jalen Hurts was when he came along as a freshman at Alabama. Um. So yeah, I never covered Hurts at Alabama. Um. So that would have been 2016 season. This is actually Milrow's third year. Um, he was here 2021, 2022. This is his third year. Um, first year, obviously, really playing. Um, 
it, it's tough to tell at this point. I mean, it's to, to judge the Middle Tennessee game versus what Jalen Hurts did against SEC opponents in 2016 and, you know, winning a heck of a lot of games that year. Um, that's that's still a high bar for, for Milrow to cross, and I think it's just too early to say exactly whether he can provide that to Alabama, um, you know, what Hurts did. It's just too early. Hey, before I let you go, help us uh, settle a big national debate right now since you're technically local media. Is Nick Saban bullying you and your colleagues? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw that. Um, yeah. I would say 95% of the time, I would say no, I, I don't feel that way. Um, it's a situation where, you know, he, and it's not just us, like, obviously there's people inside the building. He's notorious just for being, a, having a temper. And, you know, it's, there's going to be cases where you can ask any offensive coordinator they've ever had. I'm sure they've been yelled at and, and been, you know, whatever you want to say, I like get bullied or put down or whatever. I mean, that's just kind of part of the business for the people working inside the building. I don't think it's terribly different for us. I mean, it's just sometimes how he is personality wise. I usually don't take offense to it personally, even, you know, after Saturday night's game, I asked about Ja'Cory Brooks and, you know, his suspension basically for the first half. And Nick was fine. He just said, basically said he didn't want to answer the question and he loves and respects us. And, <laughs> That's fine. Like, I'm cool with that. Um, you know, there's other times a couple weeks ago, I remember, you know, he's talking about not letting us at practice anymore. And I think he, he said, oh, it's because you guys take role, you know, at practice. Right. Yeah, attendance, yeah. And then you, you don't ask me intelligent questions, which, you know, that I think is a little bit demeaning. I think, you know, it's obviously to some extent insulting our intelligence. But I would say 95% of the time he's fine. There's, there's a few times here and there where um, – you know, he probably needs to check exactly what he's saying to us. So, uh, again, I don't mean to have you, like, be the spokesperson for all local media there, but but knowing that whether it's bullying or intimidating or whatever, do you get the sense that, though, that sometimes that he wants you guys to ask the the very question he, he keeps saying he doesn't want you to ask just so he can blow his lid at some point and make that statement to his team or whoever he wants to direct his uh, his his frustration at? I think there's sometimes where he wants to put that out there. I think that's overrated, though. Yeah. You know, the aspect of him trying to send a message and everything's calculated. Um, like I don't I mean, look, look. If, I don't mean to, yeah. to, to interrupt you, but like, so nobody was really asking about the quarterbacks. Everybody says, "Hey, can you talk about this one's development since the spring and how he's developed over the fall?" Right? But we rarely get that with quarterbacks. Do you think at some point in the last two or three weeks, though, someone should have just said? hey, can you give us an update on quarterbacks or who looks like they're progressing nicely and just let him explode and do his thing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a question of like whether you want the theater or whether you want, you know, because he, he will still give you something. Yeah. You know, you ask about Jalen Milrow, and he gave a glowing answer a week or two ago, and then somebody asked about Ty Simpson the last week, and he kind of deflected and talked about all the quarterbacks. And so you're able to kind of deduce things yeah. without necessarily going head on into the question. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I do think the, the message part of it's overrated. And I think if he walks in there and he doesn't get asked the questions that he, you know, doesn't want to get asked and he walks out, I think he's happy with that. Um, so if they can avoid certain questions, I think that's that's kind of their strategy. I don't necessarily know if they're inviting things. And if, if there was something on his mind that he wanted to blow up about, 
more than likely it's going to be in his opening statement and just kind of get it out there. And, um, yeah, if it's truly something that he wants out there. Mike Rodak, 24-7. So he was asked a question, which I don't know what the question was, but he said, I don't have an answer for you. He pointed to the Coke bottle and said, this is not a crystal ball. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the question was, but I, I heard the response that I don't know what I can't tell they and I can't predict what's going to happen. So somebody said after that that they wondered if he ever took a sip from that Coke bottle. Have you ever seen him do that? No, honestly, I'm surprised that it wasn't taped down to the, the left turn there. I mean, it's been there. That There's that one, which is in the post-game press conference room, and then there's the one, you know, you'll see today in, in the practice facility. That that stays there. Like, that's probably been there for a year, two years, three years, ten years. Who knows? Uh, I'm surprised it's not, like, glued down <laughs> as, like, a prop. Uh, the water bottle is always put in there. Cedric, you know, Burns comes in and, and brings it in about five minutes before, but the Coke bottle stays. So, no, I've never seen him take a sip. It'd probably be flat and warm and nasty. Uh, but that question was about Jalen Milrow, and it was just a very basic question on, like, how can he build upon this performance going forward? And as soon as Saban heard the going forward part of that question, he just kind of latched onto that, and that's where his um, his response came about hypotheticals and next week against Texas, and he doesn't know what's going to happen with Milrow, et cetera. Well, that Coke bottle is going to go for millions when he retires because that, that thing's been there for every press conference uh, he's ever attended for sure. Hey, uh, as always, Mike, we appreciate it, man. How can people continue to follow your coverage of the Todd as they prepare for Texas? Yeah, Bama247.com, also on Twitter, at Mike Rodak. Have a great week. Thanks for the time. Have a great Labor Day. Thank you. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, speaking of Alabama and Texas, uh, we got a big one for you. Um you can join some of the personalities here at WNSP this Saturday at the Outsider in downtown Mobile. It's the ultimate Alabama watch party. You'll have an opportunity to score a free WNSP t-shirt just for being there. And you can enter to win a chance at an Alabama football jer jersey courtesy of the vault. So come on by. Cheer on the Crimson Tide at our Alabama watch party at the Outsider in downtown Mobile. They got 22 TVs, uh, beer specials, uh, food from the Insider Food Hall, music during commercials. Man, they're going to have a post-game party in addition to the party actually going on during the game. So no reason not to come out and hang with WNSP at the Outsider in downtown Mobile for the ultimate Alabama watch party. When we return, we will close up shop here on a Monday. We'll give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show and give you a chance to chime in as well at 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff. I'm Shervanian Bronner. Sports Radio 105.5 FM WNSP. Hey, this is Jimmy Riffle from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. If Ladies and gentlemen, uh, one final segment. want to thank you guys for hanging with us on this Labor Day edition. Uh, we will be back tomorrow at 6 a.m. Yeah, among those joining us tomorrow, of course, the game tonight featuring Clemson and Duke and 
former Fairhope quarterback Riley Leonard, and we'll carry that broadcast on WNSP uh, this evening. But uh, Riley's first college coach, Dave Cudcliffe, is going to join us tomorrow, Mark. All right. Bring us up to date on how he feels about Riley Leonard. He coached him when he got to Duke. And then we'll also uh, – Jerry Palm's back with us tomorrow, CBS Sports. All right. Uh, I know, uh, Bronner, you said you had Duke in this one? I did take Duke, yes. I want this is kind of like my my South Alabama Tulane pick. I wanted South to win so bad, but I picked Tulane. I'm kind of in the same boat here. I really want Riley to get this one, um, but I just don't think they will. Maybe I'll be wrong. It will. It won't be the first time this season I'm wrong. It won't be the last. I just hope he's very competitive, as he has been in his career. I just hope he has a really good game. I'd like to see Duke beat Clemson, and that would pretty well knock Clemson out of it. I mean, as far as going to the college uh, <laughs> Final Four, if they lose, this is a conference game now. It's a conference game, yeah. and there's been a lot of talk about Clemson. Uh, many analysts have them in the Final Four. But if they lose to Duke, well, that would pretty well take them out, I would think, uh, especially with Florida State in that same same league. I'd like to see Duke win, but more importantly, I want to see Riley have a good game. So the two hot takes uh, of the day. One, Glenn Gilbo says Florida State better than anybody else on LSU's schedule. And two, Michael Bronner believing that non-conference games should count against your conference schedule. <laughs> Those are the two hot takes. That's what I learned this. This. That's what I learned this. This. Uh, I'm still trying to figure that show. one out. Yeah. LSU last year lost to Florida State. I think that and was they, this like wild take. Yeah, it was huge wild take. And LSU won last year. Uh, the West. They went to the SEC title game despite losing to Florida State. Yeah. Indeed. That's all right, Michael. You just keep working on these hot takes. I like it. No, I like it. It's good. The more outlanders, the better. Florida I, State is not better than Alabama, by the way. Um, yeah, Glenn, they had trouble guarding Florida State's receivers because LSU's secondary stinks. Stinks, 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 stinks. Stinks, um, stinks, stunk. Uh, Terrible. By the way... Uh, I'm not sure how many of you saw Peacock or watch Peacock or watch Big Ten games on uh, Peacock, but during the Michigan-East Carolina game, uh, both the conference and the network were roasted pretty good online uh, for their lack of branding. It really all came down to not only product placement, but where their commentators were placed. So in the background of their broad of the, the announcer's broadcast booth, uh, it had Big Saturday. The problem was um, Chris Sims and Mike Tirico, who were calling the game, partially blocked the sign. And so what was displayed prominently throughout the broadcast wasn't Big Saturday, but Big Turd. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly the, uh, the branding I think either we're looking for. It's almost worth getting Peacock now to see how they rectify that situation maybe they'll sit you, maybe they'll just go with a different i mean don't banner. you have a producer who says hey guys could you move away yeah. move don't to the have, left a little yeah sims move left what, what are you standing at? Hey, guy, come on open it up there so they can see big saturday so one of them was clearly covering the s and the a and then the a and the y on the back end so it was big turd that's on the producer come on now this is big stuff for the big 10 by the way, Harbaugh sat. That's the first of the three games he sat out. They didn't really need him. He's a saint, an absolute saint, the big turd. 
<laughs> what? <sighs> the only the only conference, I guess. Well, I say the only. I don't really know what they all did, but again, Pac-12, 13 and 0. Yeah, take that. And the SEC took it on the chin oh, a little bit. Bad. Oh, bad. 3 in marquee games. We can talk about this tomorrow, but you've seen a lot of, like, the, the debate comes back every year. It's like, oh, if you're an SEC fan, like, were you rooting for LSU against Florida State last time? Of course not. And I, I was. I've, ne- I've never. Why, well, again, I mean. I, I was. I, from, from your guys' perspective, if you're, like, a big fan of an SEC team, we've been over this, Mark. Right. Like, I, I, I just. I don't get it. I've never understood it. Like I was rooting for LSU to get smoked last night. They did get smoked. Well, then you're last not a, night. you're not an SEC fan. You're of just an I'm Al- not an SEC right, fan. Well, I'm an Alabama fan. I'm an SEC fan. I want to see them do I, that's well. That's fine. I'm saying if you, I, I, I just, I don't get it. <laughs> I don't care about <laughs> SEC supremacy. But don't you need? But don't you need those schools like LSU to 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 win as much as humanly possible Why? until they meet you? Because so they you, make it better for you. And these, we be, if we beat them, it doesn't matter anyway. We're because go. you need you need if all the teams you play were below five hundred, the committee's then not your gonna, your strength of schedule would be awful, it and would. it would ultimately hurt you. If we win the games we're supposed to win, then it doesn't matter what our strength of schedule is. Because the SEC is good, you need it to be good. If Alabama played in the Pac-12 or in the Mid-American, if the Pac-12 the, team went twelve and zero, I'm they're going to the typically, playoff. Uh, maybe this year, but not in past years. Last year they would have. If USC hadn't lost to Utah twice, they would have been in the playoff last year. So you don't year. like it when Vanderbilt goes two and zero like they well, have started out. Vanderbilt, a, Vanderbilt's a special, especially place. after being good, up in Nashville and they took Vanderbilt. good care of you, and you still have no lo- oh, love ha- for them. I'm happy for Vanderbilt. You're just not a very nice person no, today. You're angry. You're an angry, angry, angry person. Angry, bored up. He's the he's the guy that screams at the TV. He's gonna be. <laughs> If Alabama loses this year and somebody puts a fist or a foot through his TV, that's it'll be Bronner. That's Bronner, yeah. You're that guy. It's do you Texas, do you come Texas to work week, when Alabama loses? I'll be here. All right. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your Labor Day, folks. We're out. See you tomorrow at 6. See you.